Welcome to the Bitcoin Breakout, a production of the Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Spierko. Remember, you can always find all our episodes at thebitcoinbreakout.com. You can also find all episodes of the Survival Podcast at tspc.co. If you want full personal sovereignty, Bitcoin is only one step. On the Survival Podcast, we discuss all aspects of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and personal liberty. Now strap in and get ready for another episode of the Bitcoin Breakout, where we discuss how Bitcoin and the Lightning Network will literally change everything. Fix the money, fix the world. This is a fantastic episode as far as TSP, TSP goes. It is the 3,126th episode of the Survival Podcast. It is Tuesday, July the 19th, and today we're going to talk about Lightning Nodes for Beginners. That was the plan. The interview goes two hours, so you know it's good. Because if it wasn't good, I wouldn't spend two hours on uh, a podcast with a guy who I just actually met for the first time today. This is one of those ones, if you're a, a survival podcast listener and you don't generally come in for the, the, the Bitcoin content, but you figured you'd give today a chance and you're not sure, you got guys, you got to listen to this one. Because the discussion became on Lightning in general. We talked about the Fountain app for a while. We talked about what's known as Layer 3 technology. So Lightning's Layer 2. An app like Fountain integrating Lightning would be, Lightning would be Layer 3. And uh, we came up with some stuff today. That This is why we do what we do in this world. And it's stuff that I think that people don't really understand. It's about not about just making money. It's not about just number go up long term. It's not just about inflation protection. What if I told you that today... If you listen to this episode, you will at one point hear me and Jesse discuss completely demonetizing road piracy by the police departments with Bitcoin on Lightning. And when I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but when you hear it, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that would work, and oh yeah, I would use that app, and oh yeah, I would use Lightning on that because I would have to. Even if I didn't know I was using Lightning, I would want that app. Because I would want the information that comes with it, and I would want to help other people. That's the kind of thing that this is about. This is why I've never let this go. So I'm excited for you to hear this. I got done with this interview, and I went and like verbally dumped on my wife for 15 minutes on all the things that we could do, including some things we can do with projects that we want to do uh, coming up very shortly that aren't app-based. It's something totally different. Anyway, before we do that, Let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is the Ridge Wallet. You know, we talk a lot on Bitcoin shows about hardware wallets, software wallets, things like that. But most of us still carry around cards, maybe some cash, things like that, identification, etc. Well, you need a good wallet and you need a secure wallet. In the world of Bitcoin, hardware wallets are secure, right? Hold your own keys, your own coins. In the, 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 the real world, the brick and mortar world, the IRL world, the biggest risk that we have today is everything has a damn digital tag on it. With Ridge Wallet, you have titanium wrapped around all those pieces of identification that can be just sniffed, basically sniffed with an $8 part off of eBay. Um, more like 20 bucks total to set up. You can make a wand for about $20 worth of stuff and go around and steal identification from people. It happens all the time. The Ridge Wallet looks cool. It works better. It's a minimalist product. You really want to check it out. And MSB members, you get 10% off all uh, all purchases at Ridge Wallet, including all their other really cool EDC stuff. Next up, Backwoods Home Magazine. Here's all I'll say about Backwoods Home today. 
I first found Backwoods Home Magazine in 1993. I had come to Texas out of the Army. I didn't have enough money to be a subscriber to anything yet. I got my first decent job in the winter of 1994, like decent. I was safe. I knew I wasn't going to lose it next week or whatever. And I thought that magazine that I found when I moved here to Texas after I got out of the Army, I want I want that in my life. So that was the first magazine I ever subscribed to in 1994. It is 2022, and it's a quarterly, so it's four times a year. Four times a year, Backwoods Home still comes to my house. I was literally 21 years old, and I'll turn 50 next month, and I'm still a subscriber. I ain't going to say nothing else if that's not enough of an endorsement. And that's now, The show didn't start until 08. So that's that's not like I'm recommending them because they're a sponsor. Like I probably they could probably get away without paying their bill. That's how much I love them as a sponsor. All right, with that, let's go ahead and dig on into this. I want to introduce our special guest right now, Jesse Markowitz. Uh, we're going to be talking about again lightning notes for beginners, but we're also going to talk about Bitcoin in general, self custody, and all the amazing things that are coming with this exciting technology. Jesse's a computer enthusiast. He's a programmer. He's been doing that stuff for over 35 years. He's actually kind of new to Lightning. He installed his first Lightning node back in uh, May, I think, April or May, uh, on Start9 Embassy One server. And he also does consultations. So if you want somebody to walk you through getting started or walk you through self-custody, he does that. Uh, he has a great website, yourpersonalcryptoassistant.com. And with that, let's go ahead and drop on into the live feed. And we are live, folks, today, and we are going to be talking about setting up lightning nodes. I want to always give my disclaimer right from the beginning, though. If you see anybody ever in video comments claiming to be me using my logo, anything like that, that gives you like a secret backdoor WhatsApp or anything like that, it isn't me. I don't do that. And there's a lot of imposters out there. Little things just for the general audience as a whole. Um, there has been a rash of counterfeit accounts being set up using my photos and things like this on Instagram lately, trying to bait people into uh, backdoor conversations there, saying it's my backup account. I don't do that either. Never trust, never trust, never. Don't even trust but verify. Just don't trust. If it's not on my main account, it's not me. Uh, with that, I want to introduce Jesse Markowitz, who's going to talk to us today about setting up lightning nodes as a beginner. We're going to talk about even if, like, it sounds like a good idea, if can be a good idea. It's not something everybody needs to do. You can always do something to learn. Uh, there's reasons you'd want to and reasons you wouldn't. We're also going to talk about setting up Bitcoin nodes. We're going to talk about Bitcoin and Lightning in general. And with that, hey, Jesse, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast and the Bitcoin Breakout. Thank you. Um, I want to start out with, instead of let's talk about Bitcoin, let's talk about Jesse. Can you give us kind of what's your background? Like you're, you're spacing out in school, trying to figure out what to do with your life, and, and where do you end up professionally from there? Because I, yeah. I always like to get the audience kind of in touch with, uh, with the guest. Yeah, I always start off on the computer side of things. Um, growing up, I was always fascinated by computers, got into all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> in college, I did uh, electrical engineering, but mostly on the computer side of things. Been uh, everything from programming, uh, literally device drivers for storage devices, all the way up through application programming, and then went from there more into the project management aspect of things, a little bit of sales support, managed a group of uh, folks from a particular territory, again, in the technical side. And now from a day job, I'm doing um, cloud service manager. So all the stuff that folks are running in the cloud, I'm doing that for enterprise class software. Very cool, man. Um, and what got you into to Bitcoin before we even talk about Lightning? Like, everybody has their orange fill story. 
Yeah, I, I was always a freedom guy. Um, from growing up, my the lesson my mom always taught me was your freedom to swing your nest. Excuse me, your freedom to swing your fist ends at your sister's nose. So that was kind of the uh, the lesson I got from uh, from day one, and uh, from there, just as I as I grew up and learned more, I became more and more freedom oriented, looking for opportunities for people to live their own lives, make their own choices. I got involved in the Libertarian Party uh, way, way back when. I know you interviewed someone before. It was like a Ron Paul moment. I'm a little yeah. older, so it was actually Andre Maru for me, a couple of years further back than that. But I uh, got involved in the Libertarian Party. Did uh, Actually, was in the leadership in Maryland for a number of years as chair of the Libertarian Party of Maryland and did that. Um, and then, gosh, in... Early 2000s, started following some of the cypherpunk email lists, doing um, anonymous remailers. Basically, the same type of stuff they do with Tor, with the onion routing, where they, you cryptographically wrap something up, send as a package to the next station, the next station, the next station. Gotcha, so you okay. don't know what's going on at the end, and it gives you some anonymity, some privacy. Um, one of my early heroes was uh, Phil Zimmerman from Pretty Good Privacy. So that's kind of where I got my entry into a lot of the cryptography, everything else. I found out about Bitcoin really early and really didn't do much of it. This is back in uh, 2012, 2013. It was kind of like a, an interesting side thing, but I was kind of, yeah, I don't think this thing's really going anywhere and I'm kicking myself something fierce right now. But uh, yeah, so that was it. And then back in around 2017, I started actually playing with it, buying stuff with Bitcoin and uh, around 2018, 19, started accumulating a bit. Started teaching people about it, and then you're a jerk, Jack. You got me sucked in. I actually, uh, I'm not a particularly entrepreneurial person, but I got to the point where I said, you know, this is crazy. I'm doing all this work helping people with crypto. Yeah. I had to start like a little side business, something on it. Jack keeps talking about it, and so I did. So I started a little side business. My CPA was very happy with me. She said, it's good. Now all the stuff that you're doing, you can start deducting some of those as business expenses, and you guys just start getting paid for it. So I started doing that and just really orange bill, got sucked in. That's great. That's great. And I have I have somebody who I guess didn't get the memo. Uh, real quick, we'll pause here uh, on Twitch. Uh, it says, you're not on YouTube today. Yeah, I'm in YouTube prison, guys. So I am trying to monitor uh, all our alternative platforms. Uh, but one thing I will definitely do, if anybody has a question, um, if you use Fountain or any other service and you give us a boostagram with a message, I should be able to read that right here on my phone. And when we get to Q&A or talking points, I will definitely give priority to anybody. I don't care if you send me two sacks, right? It doesn't matter. If you boost the show, I want you using this new technology that we're talking about because we're here to talk about Bitcoin and Lightning. And without both this tech that we're using, which is badass, couldn't exist, but I am trying to keep up with, and that's why I don't usually do this, the multiple screen thing, uh, Odyssey, Rumble, Float, and, of course, Boostergrams, plus Twitch and Facebook. You guys should feed in here. So, anyway, Jack went to YouTube prison again. We won't talk about why. Let's talk about running well, running Bitcoin nodes and Lightning nodes. And, like, the first question I had on the list, I realize now maybe it could be a cleaner question, was why would, why would somebody want to run a Bitcoin node or a Lightning node Let's break that in half because you and I were talking pre-show. Like there's a real compelling case to learn how to run a Bitcoin node for true self-custody, et cetera. So let's start there. And if you're going to run a Lightning node, 
you're also going to run a Bitcoin node anyway. So, <laughs> yes. so why run your own Bitcoin node? Why not just, you know, use Exodus and a hardware wallet? Why, why actually, you know, connect your hardware wallet or even like your own software? Like I use Zeus with my Bitcoin node for the stuff mm-hmm. that I want to be immediately available. Uh, why do that versus uh, just using a, a, a you know a, a service on somebody else's node? Well, one of the sayings I think it actually comes from uh, Matt Hill over at Start Nine was maybe you said I'm not sure where it was from was the there is no cloud there's just yes. somebody else's server and when you start talking about Bitcoin you start becoming much more aware of well whose server is this stuff running on and where do you want to be running it when you start talking about self custody self hosting. If you're running the Bitcoin node, you've actually got the ability to validate all the transactions. You've actually got access to everything. If you're on somebody else's node, you're relying on them. You're at their mercy. You also have the concern that any of the privacy that you would normally get through doing Bitcoin, going through someone else's node, they see everything that you're doing. Yeah. And there has been some evidence that some people – not necessarily straight up software wallet providers. All they do is provide the wallet. Mm-hmm. It seems like those guys even are like angling so that they don't see it. Like they want plausible deniability. Like uh, I can't remember the the software wallet provider that that the Canadians, the Canadian government went after. They basically wrote them the biggest fu letter on the planet and said we can't oh. tell you who because we don't know. Uh, we suggest that you look up self custody on Google. That was yes. like literally the company's response. Yeah. But certainly, if you don't get at least to that level. When you're sitting on Coinbase or anyone, even like companies that I have incredible respect for, like Swan Bitcoin, yes, like you're sitting in there. Like if they get a, a letter from the government and it says that Jesse is a dick and we have proof that he's a terrorist and we want you to lock his account, they're going to lock the account if the proper paperwork's there. Because if they don't, they're going to shut down yeah. their whole, the government. Will shut them down. Like so, even if they mean well, like that's a huge oh, risk. Absolutely, they, they could be very, very. Um, respectful, nice, wanting to do all the right things, but yeah. when the guys with guns break down their doors and say, give us your servers. They're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to shoot back. They're, they're, they're going to roll up and say, hey, it's, it's, you know, gotta do, I got to do that. There's, there's a, there, but it's interesting. There's a range on Bitcoin. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at something like holding something in a Coinbase or a Gemini mm-hmm. or any other sort of real custodial situation, yeah. It's very different than when you hold it in your own wallet. Regardless of what Bitcoin node you're using, if you hold the keys, you've got the coins. Correct. And that's that's really, I think, that the biggest jump is there. Once you get your stuff off the exchange, and, you know, as, as part of my side hustle, I sent out these little emails, you know, yeah. a couple a week, couple weeks, whatever, with just notes on folks. When Celsius totally crumbled, and we got nervous about that, you know, one of the things that I said was, this is why. This is the, the example of you don't want to have all of your stuff in somebody else's bucket. Um, the email I sent out this morning, actually, I, uh, I looked up Coinbase's um, March 10Q with the SEC. This is where they had that famous quote that our customers may become unsecured creditors in the case of bankruptcy or other issues like that. Yeah. It was just a, I mean, it's just like a, you know, it's part of the risk you do a 10Q, you put like all the different financial stuff in there. And, but one of the things that they clearly stated was, hey, if we get in trouble, customer deposits, it's not like a, it's not even like a brokerage 
like where your stocks are, where they've got this particular fiduciary responsibility, where they have to segregate funds. There's none yeah. of that. Yeah, stock you know, broker is, a stockbroker is a GUI into your holdings. Yeah. The, the company does it, it. It's sort of acting as a custodian, but like if they crap the bed, your shares in Ford are still shares in Ford. Right. If they're follow, if they're doing what the law says they have to do, right? Yes, they they can. Co-mingling of funds, <laughs> yes. right? That's key. But there's so there's so little regulation in crypto when you're on an exchange situation. They yeah. basically have to do whatever they say they do if they're public. So Coinbase has to follow its guidelines by the letter of the law because they're a public company. If they're a private company, it's even gray there because we're in an unregulated market. And then are they a Bitcoin company or are they at every freaking shitcoin under the sun company? And then they're actively dealing in, in my opinion, at least with most alternative cryptocurrencies, you're dealing with an un... I don't like this word. I don't like this word, Okay. Because I'm opposed to the state's existence. But yes. if, I'm, if I'm going through the lens of the state's rule book, it is clear to me that 90% of cryptocurrencies are unregistered securities and illegal under U.S. securities law and many other nations as well. Right? Yes. So then you've got this entity that's dealing in Bitcoin plus all this unregistered shit, plus they're playing the leverage game like the Terra Luna crap that just exploded. And then you're letting them hold your Bitcoin, and I think we we probably beat that up enough, so we'll, we'll move from there. That's like layer one. That's like that's where you might go buy Bitcoin, right. but you get out. It's takeout. Like you got to view it like there's a restaurant that makes great Chinese takeout, but the atmosphere sucks, right? So, like so you so go you're, to the you're 100 correct. Out. You're 100 correct. <clears throat> when you look at most of these exchanges. A lot of them, from a U.S. perspective, and a lot of uh, your audience, myself, are all U.S.-based, are overseas, unregulated. If anything happens, there's no chance of you suing them or, you know, participating in anything to get anything back. So for a lot of those, those are incredibly high risk. As I look across the different exchanges, Coinbase, as a U.S. company, publicly traded company, has a lot more at stake, a lot more visibility, a lot more everything to do it right so there's a lot less risk there than a lot of other places. H- having said that, Coinbase recently had layoffs. Coinbase has rescinded job offers. Coinbase, as of today, I believe, actually, is now stopping their affiliate marketing program. Well, that sucks for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm saying the same thing. But, yeah, so, so that's what's going on right now. And right now, it seems maybe Bitcoin's at kind of a bottom. Maybe it's coming back up. But who knows? You know, the Fed raises rates. There's some other, you know, excitement in the market goes down. This thing goes back down again. Coinbase may have problems. Seriously. And and more than, and more than, let's say, Swan, because Swan's just like they're holding like liquidity equity in Bitcoin and Bitcoin and Bitcoin. Swan, 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 Swan is basically a, I'll hold your Bitcoin for you, and I'll help you with your Bitcoin. Yeah. They're not doing a whole bunch of exchanging across a wide range of currencies. They're they sell Bitcoin for fiat. Yeah. It's, it's Bitcoin to fiat and fiat to Bitcoin. And what I love about them, it when you are used to doing something like, I'm going to buy 100 bucks on Strike and send it yeah. to my hardware wallet now, Yeah. Right? it seems like their withdrawal procedures are a pain in the ass, but they're like an ultra-secure, ultra-conservative company. But like you can set up on, on Swan – you're running your own node, you've got your own wallet, 
and yeah, yeah. you can do auto buys. And then like, let's say once a month, a specific amount that'll automatically withdraw. Yeah. And you can even do that where it, I don't remember what the tech is behind it, but basically it generates a new receive address every time it does it. So it's a unique UTXO. Right. Right. So right. they're encouraging you take your, like they make their money on fees. Yep. Right. So you holding the Bitcoin there doesn't matter to them. So they, it's like selling, imagine selling gold coins, but you never hold them. Right. You only hold just enough to fulfill your daily inventory requirement. So then if gold goes up, you're happy. If gold goes down, you might be more happy because maybe people buy more gold. Like, so that's the cleanness of a one and done company here. Anyway, I've, I've derailed this. I am sorry, but this is just interesting to me. Let's, let's go like level two. Yeah. You've gotten off, you gotten off the, the, the stupid train of holding your money on exchange and you've right. now moved your money into something like an Exodus wallet or a Coinami sure. wallet, right? We're yeah. using their node, but we got our own keys. Yeah. So here's the next thing that a lot of people don't really understand about Bitcoin. They know about these on-chain transactions, but before the transaction makes it on-chain, it hangs out in mempool, okay. which is basically just say, hey, I've got the signed transaction. I broadcast it to the network of all the different Bitcoin nodes. The miners then try to put all those transactions into a block and then find the hash that works for that block so they can get the block reward. But all of that mempool action, all of that happens with the Bitcoin nodes. And if you're not running your own node, even if you're running an Exodus wallet, when you do an Exodus transaction or whatever your wallet is, if it's not connected to your Bitcoin node, anytime that you say, hey, send from here to there or anything else that you're doing on chain, it actually gets to be a signed transaction that goes in mempool. And the first place that it goes is to their Bitcoin node. So they know everything that you do. No matter what you do with UTXOs or addresses or, or any of that stuff, it doesn't matter because you're all going through them. And for the sake of argument, if they don't like you, they could just kind of go, what? oh, yeah, that transaction, uh, we'll just put it at the bottom of the queue. Now, there's only so much games that they can play, but, you know, there, there's that potential. Once you've got your own Bitcoin node and you're running that, you're a player. You're in the club. You get to see exactly what's going on. One other thing that since I started running my own Bitcoin node and doing that that I found really fascinating was actually watching as the mempool fills up and watching which transactions make it in and which ones don't and how full it is and all of that. And one of the things that was really fascinating for me is I could actually look at those transactions and go, hey, I wonder what this is. And I can start doing queries to say, hey, what about this address? What about this transaction? This transaction talks to that address. Let me look at that. There's a lot of just curiosity, perhaps, but fascinating information that's out there. Let's say for the sake of argument that you're not running your own Bitcoin node. You just go to some block explorer or whatever else, and from there, you run these queries, and you're looking at stuff. Well, guess what? There's nothing private about that. You're going through a website. That website knows exactly what you're querying. If you're concerned about the queries you put on Google because you're searching up for something that might come back to bite you, Maybe not today, but, you know, 20 years from now or whatever it is. On the blockchain, it's the same type of thing. If you're doing a query into somebody else's node, they know what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to what does it look like when we have our own Bitcoin node and we have our own wallet. And at that point, we can – there's a lot of different ways to handle that, right? We, mm -hmm. there's, there's a ton of different wallets, and that wallet – 
I think people need to understand is acting like a gooey, right? That's another technical buzzword that may not have helped. Well, Bob is such a bad name. It, it, it really is. It's more of a management tool, right? It's a, it's a thing which allows you to manage, to receive, to sign transactions, to yeah. confirm, right? So, like, yeah. when I when I set up my lightning node on Voltage and, of course, a, a full node to go with it, mm-hmm. uh, Tom walked me through everything, my web admin guy, and I'm using Zeus, and I love it. I freaking yes. like, I think it's one of the greatest wallets anybody ever made, and we shouldn't call our wallet, but we that's what we call it, right? And it is the only software thing, wallet, right, that I'm aware of that you, you have to use your own node, mm-hmm. right? Like there are wallets that you can use your own node or you can use right. their node. Like Zeus doesn't even have a node, right? They going to give you that option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you do that, like you said, like I can be logged in online and I can either be moving Bitcoin on Lightning or I can be moving Bitcoin on chain. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm here with my phone and I'm doing a transaction and I'm watching in my dashboard of my node online and I'm watching the transaction happen in real time in both locations. <laughs> I will tell you, one of the things for me. It's addicting. Yes. Right? Especially when you get the lightning, because you can move all this shit around for almost nothing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I definitely found was that after running my own nodes, I spend more time just kind of watching, hey, how does this happen? Where does it actually go? Um, I did some, um, you know, on-chain, uh, no, it's um, yeah, an on-chain transaction earlier this week, and I said, you know what? I'm going to put the, the uh, amount that I'm willing to pay for the transaction crazy low. And I was watching it. I'm like, right after I did that, the mempool started filling up. A lot of other people wanted transactions. They're all paying more for their transactions. And my transaction went from being a, oh, it'll probably confirm in 30 to 40 minutes to like several hours. <laughs> and it didn't wow. actually confirm for like eight hours because the mempool was at full. And it was fine because this is part of my education. This is part of my learning. I deliberately paid less than I should have to get the transaction confirmed. But it helps me understand when people play games, how it works in a in a in a visceral way, and like you get it in your gut, not just oh I read about it. So for the sake of argument, if you want to buy NFTs and the NFTs go on the market at this time, and you want to make sure yours is the first transaction, oh well, you should think very hard about what do you put in for the fees to make sure you get in that sort of thing that you don't get bumped a block or two or three, which I kind of always knew that before, but I didn't really have the, the, the visual on how it actually worked. So running your own stuff, you get to see a lot more of that. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to, I think, to sum it up, you would run, want to run a Bitcoin node so that you had full control over your Bitcoin. And it's less of a security risk from a standpoint of like, Exodus can't take my Bitcoin. Right. Right. Especially once I'm using Exodus to manage the interface of my Trezor Model T. Like literally go go ahead and try. But I may be I may be bleeding information that I don't want to bleed. Yes. And then there is just a straight up empowerment. This is my node for my Bitcoin. I control my destiny. I'm actually being my own bank, right? Yes. And I think that you also then understand you understand the entire thing at a higher level. That's why I'm, I don't need to run a, a lightning node. I have no direct need right now, none, 
but it's on and I'm learning, right? Um, and then I, I also think like we're going to go into lightning nodes right now. And, and one of the things I'm also considering is running a few lightning nodes right now and even just moving my own Bitcoin around, throw a little bit of Bitcoin in it, open some channels, push some equity on the other side. We'll explain what that means later and develop a reputation. And four or five years from now, if I have a cluster of nodes that have been in operation for four years, as the lightning network starts to struggle for growth, which I believe it will, I think it'll handle it, but it's going to, it's going to happen, right? Then there might be a significant amount of value to, you know, two, three, four year old trusted nodes. Uh, so that would be one reason I would say, but like what right now is a use case scenario for running your own node other than for your own fine? <clears throat> yeah. So the reasons today to run your own node and where a lot of people really get in on it is community support. I believe in Bitcoin. I believe in Lightning. I want to support the community. I want to support the network. So I should run a node. So folks run a node. Right. Um, a lot of folks are doing it from the privacy aspect that we talked about before. The same type of stuff that we talked about on the Bitcoin side applies deeper, but on, with Lightning as well. And as we talk about a little bit more about how Lightning works, we can explain that a bit. But a lot of it is privacy. For some folks, it's just fun. Um, I did not get into it because I thought it would be fun. I yeah. thought it would be a lot of pain in the ass, to be honest, <laughs> and a lot of work, and it has been. But there's been some fun, too, that I've discovered. Um, for me, also, the main reason why I got in was for education. I wanted to learn, like, how the guts work, and I just know me. If I read a book, I'm going to get some of it, but I'm not going to really get it at the level at which I need to. I'm not going to understand enough to ask that next level of questions that I need to ask. And you actually do it, I break things, I go, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that one. And I learn, I'm going to learn much better that way than by reading somebody else's stories about it. And then the other thing is profit. For a lot of people, they look at Lightning and go, oh, wait a second. Hey, I got this Bitcoin. I don't want to give up custody. I don't want to go to some crazy DeFi thing where they're going to promise me return. I want to own my keys, own my stuff. But if I put my Bitcoin on my Lightning node, I could earn routing fees. I could actually make money at that. And the short answer is not today, not easily. It's yeah, not, not easily. It's not a plug and play. I, 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 you know, I thought that when I first started it. That was yeah. my first motivation. So I'm going to run this Lightning node because then I can self-custody my Bitcoin. I can put it to work. I can earn a return on it with very little risk. Yeah. And yeah. that's just and not I, the case today. I think what caused people to think like that is like, I call Ethereum now like the mother asshole of all shit coins from which they spew. So we ended up with all these Ethereum-generated tokens that they then, even though they were generated on Ethereum, they became proof of stake. And then we ended up with all these like Ethereum killers that were proof of stake. So you you went out, you bought shitcoin XYZ, you put it in a wallet, you staked it in some way, whether it was delegated yes. or self-staking or whatever, and then you got an ROI on it. I So I think... And I even made the comparison in ignorance at one point. It was, but I did say kind of, right? Mm-hmm. And and the way I explained it, to, like that, it was like kind of like proof of stake with Bitcoin. Well, it's not. Yeah. It is in a way because the equity side, which I said we'll get to, is basically a stake on your part, but it's really just to enable the transaction. So I look at running a Lightning node today, like running a website in 1993 or four. Right. Yeah. So, so you, 
it's even true today, but it was just more true back then. So you set up a website, you make like the best website you can, and it sells widget XYZ. And every time somebody buys a widget, you get a dollar. Right. Okay, you now have a, a Walmart in the middle of the Nevada desert, and you have no roads, and you have no signs, and you have no advertising. And so then your, your job became to link with other websites, get into directories, because they weren't even search engines yet, and like advertise the existence of your store. And if you did a really good job, you might make a dollar a day, right? And that's kind of what a lightning node is like today. It's like, if you want to set up a lightning node, you can do it with start nine and that's cool. And then you have it sitting right in your house. Yeah. I'm playing like some with voltage, voltage cloud, 12 bucks a month. I can have you running a lightning node. Well, I can have you in possession of a lightning node and a Bitcoin node in five minutes with no technical knowledge. Then you'll sit there and look at it and you'll have to get somebody like you or my, or my, my guy, Tom, to walk you through your clumsy ass first attempts and like none of it will make any sense. Yeah. And then when you do it, you'll go, Oh, okay. So now you have a functioning lightning node. You have a few channels open with some buddies or like if you're willing to throw a million sats in and you can open to like a big channel like Wallet of Satoshi and they're going to say, yeah. sure. Right. And so you unbalance, you have to push it back around and then no one comes. Like you don't see, like unless you, I think you'd have to develop a specialized knowledge to be a routing node to get anybody to come. Or you'd have to do something that that makes, like this is where I think Voltage is wheelhouse release. I don't think it's for people like me. They're like, fine, we'll take your 12 bucks. We don't care, right? But what what they're doing is like, let's say I wanted to create the Jack Spearco wallet instead of the Jack's wallet, which is now defunct. And I wanted to run a wallet where I, like I become wallet of Satoshi. And I make it easy, and I manage all the inbound outbound equity for my little tiny fee. Or if I was building an app like Fountain, and I wanted to be able to roll out a series of nodes instantly to develop on them, right? So I think that, like, a big use case scenario for Lightning today is if you're developing a technology on Lightning, then you want to run your own nodes because that's your monetization. Absolutely. That, that's to me, like, and I didn't get that until I ran one and went, this is fun, this is cool as shit, and it's absolutely useless to my life right now, except it's fun and it's cool, and maybe it's worth something later on. I, I think you've got the right attitude on it. Start9 in particular, and there's some other folks doing similar types of things. Voltage, there's other devices too that you can do, Raspberry Pi, Umbral, a, n- a number of others as well. But Start9 is the one I've used and I'm most yeah. familiar with. Make it easy to point and click and run a node. Yep. And more importantly than that, they make it very easy to configure the node with a whole bunch of default settings that just run out of the box. But then once you're actually running the node, what do you do with it? How do you make it work? This gets back to your store in the middle of the desert. Yeah. The lightning node, it's only as good as its connections. So you really need to have something where you create these channels, connections out to other places. And that's where it becomes a much bigger issue on what is it that you want to accomplish with your Lightning node? What are you trying to do? If what you're trying to do is learn how Lightning works, then it's fine. Then what you do is you create some channels to whoever you create channels with. You know, you meet some folks online and some of the various different Telegram groups. We can talk about that as well. That's part of, part of my education on this. And then it's not going to be optimal but you'll get the experience of opening some channels. you get some experience of moving stuff through. One of the other things, which is really cool from my perspective, is now that I've got my own node, I actually, when I pay bills, I'm actually paying my bills through my Lightning node. 
Yeah. So I actually select, oh, well, this channel doesn't have too much liquidity one direction or the other, so I will deliberately, I'm going to pay this one out of this particular channel okay. to move some of that liquidity deliberately on that without having to pay for a rebalance. And so doing that, you learn about how all that works. Now, I think it's important to, to, to point out to people that, like, I actually started running a node in earnest like two and a half weeks ago, and you yeah. turned up your first node in May. Yeah. So we're yeah. saying it's hard, but it's not that hard. And I think that if you if you say, but but Jack and Jesse have been playing with Bitcoin and Bitcoin nodes for a long time, and they know a bunch about Bitcoin, yeah, it doesn't matter. I actually think it might be easier to be onboarded to Bitcoin this week and onboarded to Lightning as, as a node operator next week. Because yeah. so much you think you know does not apply over here. Right? You're in two different some worlds. Of that. Yeah. There is some of that. Yeah. What, what, what I will tell you is if somebody wants to learn to do it, this is not something where you need multiple computer science degrees or anything. No. You don't need anything like that. You don't need to, you need you to, don't really need to know how to anything. code. You, I mean, you, you need to yeah. learn words. Like what is a pub key if you're wanting to receive directly to your node from something like that, right? But that's a vocabulary yeah, issue. terminology, right? but you don't yeah. really need to get hugely in the weeds. No, I agree. So one, one of the things I was talking about this about somebody earlier uh, yesterday, actually, was they said, but like, how does lightning work, like in the weeds? And I said, I know enough that I can tell you about the type of contracts that get written, the type of opcodes that get used in Bitcoin to make it work, but you're not going to understand that, and you don't yeah. really care about that. So let me tell you what you care about, which is this. Using Bitcoin, you do transactions that have multiple signatures, and you have multiple transactions, so you make sure that people can't cheat. And that's the, the, the short version of it. It's yep. secured by Bitcoin transactions underneath, and all of the Lightning layer just gives you the GUI. It gives you the, the controls on top of the Bitcoin. So you don't have to figure out, oh, I've got to do this type of transaction with this time lock. I've got to hash it to this. But you just say, hey, open a channel to Jack, and it yeah. works. Yeah. So and you're opening a channel with me, and you want in, you want to have inbound equity, and you're going to open a channel, and you're going to shove a half a million sats to my side? Yeah. Why would I say no? Oh, because I'm wallet of Satoshi, so I want three-quarters of a million. Minimum, right? Like, you can control that, like what you accept. Because most of the bigger nodes, it's not even a guy on the other side saying yes. It's automated rules. You open a channel with a half million sats, the wall is a tow sheet, it's like, fails. But like, by, default, by default, most nodes are set up that if somebody wants to set, set up a channel with them, yeah, and basically give them incoming, they'll take that for free. Go, sure, set up a channel. I'll do but it. What Anybody I, out I'm there running a node, right, you know, that wants to talk? I don't know who you are, but... I'll let you. I'll tell you how, but, and let you open. But, but, uh, well, because all the risk is on your side when you're opening the channel. Yeah. See, if you yeah. open up a channel with me, and then there's something screwed up on it, and it has to get closed. I get it back. You can, yeah, but you pay the fee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. From yeah, my I standpoint, yeah, I pay the fee in the initial transaction to get it over my, there. Yeah. From my standpoint, you know, you open a channel with me, it was like it's a freebie. It's great. So yep. if you want me to open up a channel to you, it's not unreasonable unless there's something else external going on, for me to say, hey, I'd like you to cover my on-chain fees to open the channel, to close the channel, yep. you know, that type of stuff. So it's not an unreasonable request for them to do some, but I know some people charge excessively. So I, I get away with it. Yes. I think there's another reason to get into running a Lightning node. Let's say you're a person with some money, 
Yeah. And you're thinking, I want to develop some technology. Yeah. And you're like, I want to develop an app and I want to, I want to integrate lightning into my app or I want to integrate yeah. lightning into my online community or I want to do this thing and I want lightning to work with it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't run a node first, then the people that you hire to do that work are going to rake you over the coals and you're going to have no idea what, what makes sense, what's kosher and what isn't. So like I use the Fountain app now. I think it's fantastic. And it would be an example of like a really great piece of technology that you better have known what you were doing first. But right now, if somebody wants to communicate with us, they can go in Fountain. They can pick, they can go into either the survival podcast or Bitcoin breakout. They can say, I want to boost that, that, that show. Yeah. And they can say, I'm going to send Jack 500 sats. And they can put a note and they can send it to me. But this is the exciting part. So I got this guy that works his ass off named Tom, handles all my web shit and all. I'm like, you know, I want more compensation to Tom. Well, if I hire Tom to do a thing, he sends me an invoice, I pay it, there's tax shit there and all. Like, I have to do something with Tom. But if if I just say Tom gets a 20% split of that inbound yeah. lightning on his account, I don't do anything, and I didn't pay Tom. He's, he's, a, he's a business partner. He takes his cut, you take your cut, and you're not the pass-through. You don't have to worry about having to account for an income and an expense. It just never hits your books at all. So I'm, I'm just looking at saying there's a lot of people out there, like in my audience I know, that are very well off financially, that are technologically sav- savvy, but they don't really understand this. Mm-hmm. Or they're sitting on a ton of Bitcoin because they're as, as long in the game as me, but they didn't. They didn't go out and evangelize and spend it just to get people using it. They were smart. They just kept it, right? So they have a ton of money. They have a great idea. And, like, I, when somebody asks me, like, what's the most exciting technology there is right now? Not in Bitcoin, not in crypto. What is the most exciting technology there is in the world right now? It is lightning. So that person, if they go ahead and just play around, just send some of your own Bitcoin in circles and learn yes. how it works, they'll probably in that entrepreneur mind or that innovative mind or that engineer mind go, I have a thing. That doesn't guarantee the thing will be um, successful, but you'll probably be able to go right away, and that thing is not doable, but it would be doable if I did this, this, and this. And then when you go to spec it to somebody to, to try to build it, yes. you know you're not specking bullshit, and you know when they tell you you listen, are. Listen, and- when, you go, when you go to the auto mechanic... Yeah. The best you can do is the car's making this sound. Rumpa, 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 rumpa. Yeah, I need eleven hundred dollars. Okay, here's eleven hundred dollars. Yeah. I have no idea, right? Yeah. If I know enough about the car to say, hey, there's a problem in the drivetrain. Yeah. I know it's something down here. It's making That's this. That's five sort of grand now. I got some <laughs> idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or you, you need to replace a this lot thing. of learning lightning. A lot of learning lightning is to get you enough to understand that. And I yeah. will tell you, a lot of what I like what I preach is you need to use Bitcoin. You need to use Lightning. You need to start using it now, not because it's the most effective way to pay your bills or get paid, although it's getting there pretty quick. It is. But you need to learn it today because at some point, not that far off, it's going to be the rails on which everything else runs. Correct. And if you understand that, you'll be able to work with the technical guys. You don't have to write the code but you'll understand what they're trying to do and how to put it together. But and now is the time to do it before anyone has it all figured out. Unless somebody's interested in the stuff we're talking about from a tech, tech standpoint, they want to do it or they have a plan for it. Like our, the average person hearing this right now and who will hear it for the next couple of days after it gets a yeah. hit when it hits the podcast, like they would be just fine going out and like getting a wallet of Satoshi or something like that. Yes. 
And whenever you're doing a lightning transaction between peers, you just use it. And whenever the balance gets high enough, like I don't want to leave that there under risk anymore, do an on-chain transaction and move it to their, their long storage and then build it back up again. And if like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this convention and everybody's going to be taking lightning. Maybe I throw a few hundred bucks in it and they don't, they don't need a node unless they have the intellectual curiosity or the desire to learn more. Like, would you say that's, yeah. I would say that's fair. For, for most people who want to do lightning transactions, if you have a custodial lightning wallet talking to somebody else's lightning node where they manage the channels, and then you just don't put too much money on it. Yeah. Now, I think the example you used before was you go out to the bar, you're not going to bring your life savings in your wallet no. to the bar. No, you're yep. bringing, you know, a hundred bucks, a couple hundred, whatever you, whatever you expect to spend, plus a little extra just in case. That's what you put on your lightning wallet. And if that's custodial, that's fine. You don't worry about it. And that's, that's where you get to solve the, how do you buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin? Right? That's exactly what it's Lightning, like. Lightning makes that work. But the part that makes Lightning even better than that is it's not just buy a cup of coffee. It's, they used to call them microtransactions. I've started calling them nanotransactions. Because you can literally, and I've started doing this on Fountain, I, you could tip people 10 sats, right? Yeah. It's not. What like, is that? I, I'm trying to, in my head, I think 100 is like 3 cents. Somewhere yeah. in that range, right? Yeah. So it's a yeah. fraction of a cent. Yes. It's, it's, it's at that level. And it works. You can do it. And the transaction costs are, are not that crazy, which is amazing. Yeah. 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 So with that in mind, that most people just don't have to run a node. What, what, yeah. what made you commit and actually start running a node? And when you decided to do it, what was the hardest part of, of, of being able to yeah. do it? So where I got started on why I wanted to do it was I had this thought of getting free sats. I thought I could take my Bitcoin, put it on a Lightning node, earn routing fees, and make decent money. And it wouldn't be that hard. So that's kind of what got me looking into it. Um, as I got into it, I, I spent probably about a month watching YouTube videos, reading, you know, researching websites, everything else, going through some of the different uh, online forums, trying to figure out how do I make money at this? Does it really work? And the longer I looked, the more I came to the conclusion that, Jesse, you're not going to make money at this running a routing node. Now, at least not to start. Long term, it's different. But starting out, there's just no way. But I still wanted to do it. So I kind of had to look inside and go, hey, if you know you're not making money at this, why do you still want to do this thing? And what I came back with was really because I want to learn how it really works in the guts. And for most people listening, probably not. You think you want to run a lightning code node? Yeah, think twice. It may not be worth it, you know? Wait, my kids like fix, fixing their bicycles, right? Yeah. I, and I encourage that because it gets them with the tools and it gets them hands-on with, with real stuff. And I don't really care if they fix the bike or they break it. They get to work with the tools. If you want to work with the tools, run a lightning node. Yeah, absolutely. Learn how it works. But if you just want to, you know, get to work, get to the gym, get to whatever, and ride a bike, don't sweat it. You, you don't have to do any of this stuff. No big deal. Now, the easiest part for me to get started was actually plugging in the Start9 embassy server. I mean, okay. honest to God, I plugged the thing into power. I plugged it into the network. It took me about 10 minutes. I had to go read through the instructions twice because I didn't follow them correctly the first time so I could get connected into my embassy server. And then once I was there, I just couldn't say, run a Bitcoin node, run the Bitcoin proxy, run the Lightning node, and I just said, yeah, take all the defaults. I don't know what it is. Just take them. Go. And that was it. And I was technically running a node. 
Now, the node doesn't do anything at that point because it's not talking to anybody. So then I had to figure out opening up channels. And that was the hardest part about getting started running a Lightning node, is understanding what is a channel, how does it work, why is this channel that I just opened totally worthless? <laughs> a couple of those. And, and what do I need to look for for channels that are going to make sense for me? Because depending upon what your use case is, it's very different. Your use case, right? Because you sell stuff. People are going to send you money. Yeah. You're going to have a whole bunch of inbound coming into you. you got to look at that very different in terms of how you set up your channels than somebody else who might be not doing that so much, right? They might have a reverse situation, or they want to be a routing node. They want it all balanced. So the channels are the tough thing, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it doesn't make sense until you do it. And if you wanted, like, the number one reason you might want to do it is because when you do it, it'll make sense. And so, like, I I – may eventually be selling things to people in Lightning often enough that I will set it up so that it will go straight into my node. Most of my inbound Lightning right now is from boosts and streams and stuff like that for the show on the Podcasting 2.0 platform. I actually receive it directly into Fountain, and then when that balance gets up to a certain level, then I send it to my node. Right, So it'll be like 50,000 sats. Look, that's enough for them to be having access to, so... Over it goes to my node. And then what that's doing is taking the equity I have with, I have a channel open with Wallace Satoshi, and it's pushing it back to my side. Well, here's a question for you. It used to be, I know, that when you took silver, yep. and when you took Bitcoin, yep. if somebody wanted to pay that way, they'd send you an email and say, hey, I want to pay with silver. I want to pay with Bitcoin. Correct. It was like, a form they downloaded. But, but yes, like I would say when I first started taking Bitcoin for MSB in 2013. Yep. For every 20 orders for silver, yeah, I would get one order in Bitcoin. Right. Today, I cannot. When was the last order of silver? I don't even know. It's possible that somebody did it and my wife didn't tell me. But if it was last year, I would yeah. not be surprised. And I probably do five or six at least Bitcoin transactions a week for right. Bitcoin for MSB. And are you doing those manually now? Or do you I know? do those manually because at that point it's – I do – like so what I do, I do this kind of special thing only for people that pay in, in Bitcoin. Yeah. And I'll do it for anybody who pays in crypto because even though I don't really want anything but Bitcoin now, if you would say I want to pay in – I can convert it. Yeah, I like – convert it. I don't care. If it's, if it's on Bitrix or CoinEx or Coinbase, I don't care. I'll give you an address to the exchange. Yep. And the second it's clear, I'm going to convert it to convert Bitcoin it. and extract it, right? Yeah. So – I use it as a marketing thing where, like, you don't even get to know what the special deal is until you ask. Right. And and it's for people that pay three years at once. Okay. That, that's how that works. And it, it makes a big discount, and then you get that discount. Yeah. And so to me right now, you know, with doing on average about one a day, it is worth the manual process to get a deeper relationship with the customer. If Got there were it. 10 a day coming in, uh-uh, No. But I can see as this keeps building, getting to a point where maybe the majority of my new signups are in Bitcoin. And then like here's what running year. a node might be really important for me. I have a recurring membership program, right? I have a, next year, you're going to be talking with Tom, going, Tom, I yeah. need you to set it up on the web server 
Yeah. Somebody can point and click and it just goes. Well, I know how to do that right now. I could do that. I would get him to do it because he's going to yeah. do it right. I'll do it five times and screw it up five times and I'll get it right. But what, what I'll have to do is figure out personal space with lightning. How do I create a recurring subscription with lightning? Because my people automatically renew every year. Now my Bitcoin people, the reason I incentivize buy three years, they pay, well, they I enter three and it's done for three years, right? right? So yeah, that's going to, cause I can do that with Bitcoin right now, but I prefer the manual process. Yeah. But if we get into like doing this, like, Lightning to the point. So then it's going to end up being like some sort of open payments thing across strikes new thing or something like that. Person doesn't even have to have a strike account and they can pay me with dollars and I'll get Bitcoin and I'll do the discount if you choose to do that, right? It's not in place yet, but the way that Lightning generally works is if I want to pay you, I say, hey, I want to pay you. You send yeah. me an invoice and then I Correct. pay that invoice. Yeah. It's not generally in place yet with any like the WordPress plugins or anything else like that, but it wouldn't be that hard to do. Where when somebody signs up for your subscription, for yeah, membership, that there's a pointer in the database that says, "Hey, it's 11 months later." Yeah, send them an invoice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly, and I, I see that working out. There would be a perfect scenario for someone right now to start running a Lightning node. If you're a guy that develops WordPress plugins, yes, and you put yourself a little cluster of nodes together and you learn how this shit works so that, so that this side over here where you're doing everything in SQL and PHP, now you can understand how it would interface over here that you could, if you're the first one to market with that, you get to own that space for WordPress users. If you're, if you're a WordPress guy, but you don't understand lightning, it would never occur to you that, hey, you I'm going to send an invoice anyway. Yeah. For me to just set it up so there's an annual subscription, just 11 months out, send an invoice out there. See, I think that would be actually, your mind. I think it would be preferable for me for that to work because what would happen is the customer would get the invoice yeah. and decide to pay it. Yes. Right. Because what, what hurts me right now, and I'm sure it would actually hurt my. Do you use my, a lot on PayPal? Is that it? I, I use, I use PayPal and I use Stripe because I don't believe in one. Right. So the customer yeah. proves what, who processes, you know, right. the customer decides for themselves. No, so that's, that's fine. Right. But there's but, definitely but more PayPal subscriptions where people forget. Yes. And then it's a year I'm, later or whatever else. I'm going they, there. They see their bill like, what am I paying Jack for? You yeah. Know? So they all that, pissy about it. That will be the conundrum, right? Because the fact that it auto rebills, yeah. right, is beneficial to my total sales. I'm sure there's people that like it bills and they're like, ah, he can have another year's worth. But if I sent them a bill, they would choose not to pay it, yeah. right? But then I'm I wouldn't in deal. That scenario as well. I wouldn't deal with these ass clowns that are like, I canceled my subscription. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Because if you did, you wouldn't have got billed. And there was no right. need for you to wrap me out to PayPal. All you had to do was ask for a refund. And in three yeah. seconds, I would have gave you a refund after I got your email. But it would make that go away because it would be a pay on demand or pay, pay if you want to keep it thing. And then we'd have yeah. to interface with the, the system and say, well, and they didn't and pay. Here's, and here's the part that's really cool about it is when you send out a lightning invoice, you can specify how long it's good for. Yes. So, and so you could do something where you send out that invoice, they got 24 hours to pay. If oh, I know where it's going. If they don't pay it in 24 hours, on the WordPress plugin side, you would know they didn't pay it. Yeah. You could then wait for two or three days and then send them a new it. invoice, say, hey, just reminder, your subscription is expiring, and it's like anything you could, else. You could trigger that with what you want to do. You could set up a cron job that immediately triggered that to happen again. 
And you could do shit like this. This would be great. Like, hey, you're three weeks out from renewing. If you renew now, you get to renew for 30 bucks instead of 50. And when, then it's like you get that and that you put that as a, uh, as a timeless sunset date in the invoice itself. Yeah. And then you get another invoice that's like, okay, it's 50 bucks now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And without lightning, none of this happens. Lightning, it's not that none of it happens. It's that it's a lot of work. Yeah. Lightning makes it easy. Yeah. And the tools that are being built right now on top of lightning make it easier for folks who are not in the weeds of lightning to just use it. So eventually people want to run a website. We'll buy this plugin that we're talking about right now and they won't know anything about lightning. They'll just go, Oh yeah. Yeah. I just want to set up this way, you know, set up three reminders and here's the increments of what the discount is if they pay early. That's it. And they don't need to worry about the underlying guts. So, Start, you know, Start Nine is a is a sponsor of the show. They do a discount yeah. for their box. That's what you started running your note on. Yeah. Um, I'd say if you have a Start Nine box, run a Lightning note on it. Why not? You have it. It's right there. I don't know that I would. I don't I, know I, that I would, I would actually disagree with that just a okay. little bit. Okay. What I would say is, if you have an interest, okay, in yes. about Lightning, and you want yes. to do it, and you got a Start Nine box, then there's no excuse not to. Yeah. Because the startup costs at that point are zero. You've, well, not zero, very low. Because you've already got the hardware. Yeah. Doing so, the actual install of Lightning is easy. Yeah. Even doing your first couple channels, it doesn't cost you that much. You could set up some channels for a hundred thousand sats. That's it. You know, that's, what's that, twenty bucks? Does it say like fifteen, eighteen dollars, somewhere in that yeah. range? Of course, Bitcoin went up again, so maybe it's twenty. Yes, well, so it's a little bit more. But yeah. the point on it is, if you've got an interest in learning more, Start Nine makes it easy, and you Correct. can do that. But if so you what, don't have an interest, you know, ride your bicycle to the gym. Don't get out the tools. Yeah, no. So like that's where I was going with this. So I was like, if I was going to run a node from intellectual curiosity, figure yes. it out, and I wanted a Start Nine box, I would use it to run it out. I don't think I would go out, and I think Matt, who runs Start9, would agree with this, and go out and buy a Start9 node only for the purpose of running Lightning. Start9 is a server that does dozens of other things for your digital privacy yeah. and it runs a node. And I think that's the product, and I think that's what they're selling to the yeah. point where you can buy the, the latest one that's going to come out that they're taking deposits on right now. Like you could run that for, you could basically run encrypted messenger for your community. On a, on a $1,500 yeah, The one that they're working on is a, is a big server, server type of thing. The existing yeah. one runs on Raspberry Pi. Yeah, so right. What I would that's say what I'm is, talking about. The next one that, that's coming out, is, it's yeah, about that, that's what it's Intel-based. And it's, it's like you become the hub of your community, and your community is whoever you decide. It could be your family that all lives locally, or it could be your extended community. If I was going to run a node for the purpose of making money or operating an enterprise class solution, I wouldn't probably run anything sitting in my house hooked up to my cable service because I need uptime and it takes one moron out there and I can have a lot of downtime. And that's bad when running lightning notes. I think that yes. like you have to like, what is the right, you said it's about the tool, tool shed either. What's the right tool for this? I want to run a node. I want to learn how it works. I want to maybe get together. Maybe even you want to take payments like on your website with like BTC Pay or something. Yeah, it's fine for that, right? But if you wanted to do something at a serious level, if you were trying to build a, like a group of routing nodes and you're going to go after that market and you're like, I know they said we can't make money on it, but I think we can. I wouldn't want like 
if my cable or my internet goes out, I'm down. I, I don't think I'd really want that in that scenario. I think a lot of that just depends upon how IT savvy you are in your house. Okay. You know, um, at one point, some years back, I actually ran um, uh, cable and DSL at the same time. So I actually had okay. two independent connectivities in into okay. my house. They were actually on different poles coming to the house. Okay. So your idiot would have to knock out two poles to like totally take me out. Yeah. But but to your point, that's not typical, right? No. That's not typical. So to, to your thing about like the right tool for the job, whatever else, if you want to build an enterprise class service, you're going to want to be in a data center that offers you the capabilities that you need for that. Yes. Mostly. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, there's one exception I'll come back to later about that, but for the most part, that's what you're going to want. If it's right. anything less than that, if you're running for your personal education, you're running for a personal business, like like the side business that I run, right? If payments are down for six hours, I'm really not that worried. Somebody's going to give me a call and go, hey, Jesse, I tried to pay you. It didn't work. I'm yeah. like, fine. We'll work it out. It's fine. Well, they're going to send you an email, and when you're back up, you'll get the email, and you'll exactly. have it. Exactly. At your level... It's a little bit different because you're a much bigger operation than I am. But even there, it's not at an enterprise, enterprise-type scale. It's not well, look, like I'll put it this way. Yeah. I'll put, I'll put it this way, not even related to Bitcoin. Somewhere in Salt Lake City, there is a data center. And in that data center is a box about yay big for those that are watching the video. And in that box is a whole shitload of power, a whole shitload of freaking hard drives for backups. I have access to it. Tom has access to it. It's got a great big-ass pipe coming out of it to deliver all the downloads that happen off of the audio side. And it's not in my house. Right. And I don't want it in my house. And it's not in Tom's house. And Tom doesn't want it in his house because that is that's 780 bucks or whatever as I pay for that thing every month. That is my business. Yes. Right? It's not a piece of my – if that blows up and goes away, I have nothing – that's why we do backups and shit like that, right? But I have nothing if that server goes away. I don't trust myself with it, and I damn sure don't trust Encore with it. Like, data centers have backup power. Data centers have redundant pipes. Could I build that? I used to spec the infrastructure for data centers. Yes, I can build it. Do I want to? No. No. So, to your point about Start9, yeah. if you want to go out and you want to run a Lightning node, and your thought is, hey, I'm going to run this thing for you know a month, a couple months, and just kind of like mess around with it. Then if you go to a service like Voltage and you're paying 10, 15, 20 bucks a month, get it going, that's fine. Yeah. If you think about it, you go, you know what? I'm probably going to do this. It's going to be a year, a couple of years. I'm going to run this thing for a while. And you know what? If I get the Start 9 box, there's just other stuff I can do too. Yeah. Very quickly, you go, well, if I'm going to get Start 9 anyway, do I yes. really want to spend 15 bucks a month on this extra thing? I could just run it on Start9 with the other stuff I want to do too, put it together, and then it kind of makes sense to run it in your house. But again, we're not talking enterprise. You know, we're yeah, talking. We could do. We could do both for me, right? for my family, a couple buddies. You know. Yeah, and we could do both. Yeah, you, you could absolutely do both. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. One of the things which you made the comment about was. Um, um, Running a node now with the thought that in a couple of years it might be more valuable. 
And that's something which I agree with as well. It's one of the things I'm thinking through right now as I'm trying to figure out, okay, I've got the basics up and going. Not making money. Like yeah. profit. I'll make it some money. There's income, but not profit. Yeah. But it's been an educational experience. Maybe if it doesn't cost me too much and I get to use it for my own business and continue learning, experimenting, everything else, maybe if I hang in there for a year, two years, the fact that I've got a node with a two-year history of uptime and everything else, maybe it's worth something. And maybe at that point, I transfer it to a more enterprise facility and do whatever else I want to do on that side. So that's certainly possible, too. Just responding to the listener here uh, over on Odyssey. Yeah, I I agree with that um, completely. What do you think the most important things are that you learned since you started doing this about running nodes, running a lightning node, things like that? What are the things like, if I hadn't done this, I wouldn't know this, and I'm glad I know it. Some most important things that I've learned. Um, I, I would say knowing how channels work. Okay. And what the risks are when using Lightning. That by actually doing it, I've learned it in a way that otherwise I never would have gotten it, you know, just by reading a book or anything like that. Gotcha. Yeah. So why don't we blow that out a little bit? Because a lot of people, I think, yeah. don't understand what are the risks. So, you know, I could lose some sats running a Lightning node. Can you explain how that might happen? Yeah, so the thing which is great about running lightning nodes is it's still your Bitcoin. Everything that's on chain is all secured by the Bitcoin underlying chain, layer one, you're all good there. Anything you put into a lightning channel is secured by multiple Bitcoin transactions. And without getting into all the opcode level detail, when you open up a channel and when you're doing transactions on that channel, there are multiple transactions that get created. They get signed by you, the person on the other end of the channel. There's multiple keys, there's revocation keys. The thing to understand is that the interface, the lightning protocols, everything else, work it for you to protect you so that if stuff happens and you need to close the channel, whatever that last state is that you have, how much of the channel is on your side versus my side, we each get back the portion that we're supposed to get. Where it gets tricky is if your node goes down and you can no longer post those transactions or whatever else, it's possible for someone on the other side to say, hey, let's post this transaction, let's post this transaction. And then when that channel does get closed out, you've got the potential to lose some of those funds. There's limits on it, and depending upon the size of the channel and how that's all configured, the amount that you could lose is fairly limited, but it does exist. It does the exist. Part, the part that I like about it, though, is unlike a lot of other scenarios, your your ability, your, your risk is controlled by you. Gotcha. If you run your node well and it's up and you do your backups and everything else to it, and if it goes down, you bring it back up with the most recent backup and you do that fairly quickly, the likelihood that you lose anything at all is pretty small. The likelihood that you lose anything significant is really small. Correct, correct. And I, I think that's important. Like, if you screw like, it up, if you screw yeah. it up, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, but let, let, let's say you're even running like a, a million sats channel. It sounds like a big number, but it's a couple, couple, couple hundred sats, right? I like love sats. It is couple so three hundred dollars. It's tuition, yeah. I guess, and that would be if you lost the whole thing. So and a, like a million, 
a million sats is one one hundredth of a Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin's yeah. at, I don't know, 21K now, plus or minus, whatever it is, then it's like, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so it's $210. Yeah. A million sats, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to lose 210 bucks. I really don't want to lose 210 bucks. But in the overall scheme of things, for me, I'm not going to miss a mortgage payment over that, right? No. No, and you probably shouldn't take money that you will miss a mortgage payment over should and not put be involved it in, in this. Not at all. No. Not at all. Do not co-mingle your money. So we're at 23,453. We're having a good day uh, in, in the Bitcoin world today. So, so when I woke up, it was 23,500. on that because, again – I was talking to a bunch of folks that you know that listen to me sometimes about this. We're like, is the bottom in? Are we safe now? I don't know. Well, that what I told them was, it kind of looks that way, but I'm not betting on it. I my yeah. personal gut is there's at least one more outside event which is going to drive it back down. Yeah, I I, I would there's agree with that. Time. Like, there's too much ass grabbing going on out there that there's not at least one more major <laughs> ass grab to unravel. Right, like I just see that happening. And all I say is bring it. Bring the blood because I buy the blood. When the blood is in the streets and people are screaming, the people that the people that get me in the whole Bitcoin community are the ones that they talk all kinds of smack when Bitcoin's like 50, 60 grand. Right. And then like it goes down to like 18. They're like, I had to sell. Well, did you have – Why? Did your kid get cancer? Because yeah. if something like that, like, okay, that's a horrible time to have to go into your reserves and that's all you had. You were to get thrown out of your house or something. Okay, you no, have- they got to think of this minor fear that it's at yeah. 18 now. Maybe yeah. it's going to go to 17 tomorrow. I better get out now. Let it go to 17 tomorrow and buy more. That's. Like, I mean, that's. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I don't know that we're at the bottom yet, but eh, it could be. But I would, if you were going to, if I was going to lay odds, I would bet against it. I, I, I'm in. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. Actually, about two weeks ago, I increased the amount that I dollar cost average in. Okay. I just said, you know what? E- even if this is indeed the bottom. Yeah. It goes 20, 21, 22. Works way up to 30. Yeah. That's fine. I'll buy it all the way up. Take it all the way up. If it goes down, buy me more. Yeah, all the way up and all the way down. Back. I, I don't know when you initially got into Bitcoin. So I got into Bitcoin in. I think I bought my first ever Bitcoin in like 2012, but it wasn't yeah. much. But I think I like got in in earnest and started taking it as payments in 2013, and I started really evangelizing oh, nice. it in 2014. Right. So if you've if you've written that shit, like what's going on right now, and like uh, there was a meme somebody made, and there was this this pleb that's been in for like 18 months talking about how hard it is, and they show like it's like one of those cartoons where like. The, the guy falls down the cliff and just takes a shit beat out of him. Right. And it's like the OG Bitcoiners, like, that must have been horrible for you. <laughs> and then you realize, like, the, when you go through it a couple times, you realize, like, it actually didn't hurt me in any way. It, well, if you're not leveraged the, or something. The issue on it is if you believe, if you're a believer, if you're a hodler, yeah, you don't care. Because you, you know care. that in 2030, in 2040, it's the right call. And so yeah. if it goes up a bit, goes down a bit. Whatever it is, when it goes down, I'm going to buy more. When it goes up, I'll buy a little less. I'm going to yeah. keep going. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Let's pull back into the core here. Um, yeah. How much money have you spent on your note? We, I'm going to, I was going to ask how much you made, but I already know it's not profitable. <laughs> right? I haven't made any money on my note, but I've new, used my note to take the money I've made yeah. and to move it around, right, and to control it. Um, so, so let me talk. Let me talk about the costs. 
So for me, I bought the S9 server. So that was, right. I think, five, six hundred bucks. Yep. By the way, for anyone listening, if you're going to buy the S9 embassy server, join the member support brigade. <laughs> one purchase, it'll pay for your membership out of two, three times over. It'll pay for three years of your membership yeah. with one discount. I sell quality, yeah. man. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So for me, that was the biggest chunk of expense. Um, I spent $15 for a cooling fan that I absolutely didn't need. Okay. But the room that I have it running in, sometimes the air conditioning fails. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Because I read all the, the, the forums and stuff. Oh, yeah, if it's running that temperature, you're fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, ah, it would just make me feel a little better. So I spent 15 bucks, got this little fan. It runs USB powered. It's easy. No big okay. deal on that. So I spent that. The amount of electricity that this thing uses, I, I think I calculated it out at $10 a year. Yeah, I think I came I mean, up with something similar. I plugged, it in a so I plugged it in yeah. a kilowatt thing. And I don't even remember what it was, but I knew I, when I saw it, I said, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I did, I did the exact same exercise yeah. there. It, it costs nothing to run, so there's no electricity costs. There's no, um, there's no monitor. There's no keyboard. There's nothing on any of that stuff, so there's nothing there. The amount of liquidity that I put in onto my channels cost me, and that it like tied up some of my Bitcoin, but I still own it. Yes, I didn't give that away. So that's not really a cost. It's kind of like blocking up capital. Yeah. But that's not like an operating cost. That that all comes back to me. The amount that it cost me to open up channels, I thought that was going to be a bigger deal. But for the most part, when I opened up a channel, it cost me like 50 cents. Yeah. I read a lot before, before I actually did it, right? And this is why I say you got to do it if you want to learn it. There's all this, oh my God, you have to avoid forced closes. And when you open channels, it's expensive on chain. I'm like, Cost me fifty cents. Okay, yeah. really. You know, one one time I was in a hurry to get it done, so I paid more, and I think I yeah. spent a dollar twenty-five to open the channel. Okay, yeah. in, in the scheme of things, it really cost me almost nothing. You know, um, I had a couple times where I bought some liquidity. I bought inbound liquidity from some providers to open up those channels, and so I think I spent ten dollars on one and fifteen dollars on another. So from an expense perspective, I have not spent a lot. I spent um, typically somewhere in the neighborhood about 10 to 25 cents at a time when I do some rebalancing. So, again, there's not a lot of expense on that. Now, on the other hand, trying to run a routing node, I'm not routing a lot of sats, so I'm not bringing a lot of income yeah. either. You know, yeah. I, I think all told so far, across the two months, and, and in fairness, initially when I started, I had my fees basically set to bare minimum. Okay. So I just yeah, wanted to like flow something. Just let yeah. me see how it works. I don't care yeah. about making it. Yet. So it was about two weeks ago I actually started saying, okay, let's raise this fee here, let's drop this fee here, and start turning some of the dials, started working on some of that. So I think so far I've made about 25,000 sats in income. Okay. So not much. But on the other hand. But you, you know, get it. See, that's. You get it. Exactly. You get it. I remember. So. When I first started getting into online marketing, I sold a lot of stuff like in the telecommunications space. So I'm like, and this is when people like this is a long time ago, right? I am I am definitely I don't know if I'm an OG Bitcoiner. I am an OG web marketer. Right. I was selling long distance phone service to your landline on oh websites, right? And I thought it was a great product because you got a bill every month, I got a commission every month. Right. Right. And so I re- and I'm also, 
And but the company that I did it through was like a broker, and like it took you like 90 days to get your first check. And they also did they sold things like satellite systems and stuff. So I think my first check, and it took me like two months to get one sale, and then it took me like to meet minimum payout. It took me like six months to get my first check. Yeah. And it was sixty seven dollars. And and at the time I was a regional sales vice president with a salary over two hundred. Right. Right. And. I'm running around telling my wife, look, look. She's like, that's $67, fool. Like, why? And I'm like, no, because this is my money. And I made a machine. And the money came out of the machine. Right. And even though it took that long to do it, I wasn't sitting there working all that time. And now I can, and and I can also see the, like, it was going up. Like, you see your next month's payout, your next month's payout. And I was like, I built an online money machine. Well, that's what you did, but you built it in the world of Bitcoin. It's small, right. but so is Lightning. I think yes. there's like 4,400 Bitcoins of liquidity on the entire Lightning network last time I looked at it. Yeah. That's tiny. It sounds like a big If it's Not your 4,400 Bitcoins, it's a lot. Yeah. If it's running a network, it's nothing, but it's right. growing every freaking month. It's growing. Yep. So do you want a piece of it or not, I guess, is another way to look at it. Um if somebody did want to run a profitable node, I guess, I mean, what do you think it takes? If you want to run a profitable node, so what I would say is start small. Start like I did. Do your thing. Learn about it. Don't put a lot at risk to get to get it figured out as you're starting. And then after you've taken that month, two months, you've learned the basics, you got it going, you got something working, then you start scaling up. Um it takes probably at this point a couple Bitcoin in total liquidity on your node to be at scale enough to actually be profitable running a Bitcoin node. So <clears throat> I think if you're thinking you're going to do it for 0.01 Bitcoin and run a routing node, it's just unrealistic. I think you need to be thinking you need to be in the two to five Bitcoin at a minimum to like get in the game as a real profitable routing node and probably somewhere in the 10 plus to be significant about it. You need to open up channels that are not 0.01 Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, or you, you can't open up like, uh, like for me, when I started, I knew I wanted bigger channels. So I didn't do any of these 10,000 or 100,000 uh, Satoshi channels. I think the first one I opened up, the smallest one was like 250,000. Okay. But I'll tell you in the last two weeks, even a million Satoshi channel, I look at it and go, yeah, it's really the minimum. You said mm-hmm. earlier about, well, why wouldn't you want anyone to open up a channel to you? Okay. You know, like it's just, ever they're wide open, you just open a channel to anyone, that you just, they just take it. I actually configured my node. So if someone wants to open a channel with me, the minimum that I will take, I think right now it's set to 500,000 Satoshis. Okay. But if you want to open up a channel with me and it's less than that, it's just a pain in my ass. Okay. It's another channel that shows up on my side that could drain liquidity that I got to figure out what's going on with this thing and why is it there. And if you opened it up unprompted and I don't actually know you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting at. It becomes even more of a thing. Now, you know, if you're starting out and you go, hey, Jesse, you reach out to me on Telegram. I'm just starting out. Can I open up a channel to you because I want to learn and play with me, whatever else? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, whatever you want, we'll work it out and I'll talk you through it. Yeah. But, like unsolicited, I've got that kind of buffer in there to block that. So you need big chunk of liquidity, you need some bigger channels, you need to make sure that the peers that you pick, who you open channels with, are the right peers. 
So let's say you open up channels to some really big nodes. Guess what? You may have a really big pipe to somebody who just sucks your liquidity out or just dumps a whole bunch in, and it's all one way, and it doesn't help you. Yeah. You get like 30 minutes of traffic, and then you're done. It's all on one side or the other, and then you wind up going, oh, man, do I have to pay to rebalance this? And then is it worth it? And if you pick two big uh, nodes, and you're in the middle, and you're going to charge high fees, you're like, oh, this is great, but guess what? They're going to talk directly. They're just going to bypass you. Yeah, I don't need you. And you're not going to get any routing at all. Yeah, so you got to find you. folks who are kind of like in that mid-tier that yeah. are already well-connected, that you're the guy in the middle that connects them together. Or you, you just, can do it, but it, it's, this is where I was saying it takes some work to learn how you do that. And that would be the routing business. I think, like I said, the other business is the service provider business. And I think that that's not actually being talked about in the space enough right now. If, if, you, want, if you build a wallet that is really, really functional. Yeah. And you're providing the, the, the liquidity through running nodes that are clustered to other nodes and people are using the shit out of your wallet that you have traffic by proxy because like every time I do a transaction with wallet of Satoshi, I'm not talking about my channel to them. I'm talking about like somebody pays me with, uh, LNK on, on my site and sends me a, you know, five bucks to, Beefy Persian 37 at, at Wallet of Satoshi. That's like the, my generated email address. Yeah. Beefy Persian 37. It's great though because people have done it just to see if it's real. Yeah. Right? Right? So like if they do that and that transaction by its very nature is on Wallet of Satoshi and then when I'm like, okay, I'm going to send this over to, to my node, there's two transactions that just went through their node that they got to charge their fee for. Or if right. you look at Fountain, every time a user's like liking another user and flipping 10 sats back and forth, they're charging a fee for that. I think they're taking four. Well, they're taking four percent of creator revenue. But this, but, but this is where it gets interesting, and this is why for Fountain it makes sense to run a Lightning node or multiple Lightning nodes. Yes. Because if they can internalize a yes. bunch of those transactions, right? I tip you, you tip Fred, Fred tips me, but we're all on the Fountain network. Then they're not paying routing fees to anything else in the Lightning network. They keep it all internal. Yeah, and I think that's why they're able to right now give away sats. Right? I think that's I think that's part of it also is that it's it doesn't doesn't cost them as much because a lot of those sats, like some of the sats that they paid me, I just pay right yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, like they, they're, you're they're creating that. If you're trying to you're trying to decrease entropy out of the out of the ecosystem, and yeah. and I I'm pushing people right now onto it, and they bitch because it's glitchy here, and I only made three sats when I listened to this one thing and whatever. Shut up and take free sats. And learn to participate in the ecosystem because I guarantee you it's not going to go on forever. From that standpoint, take the sats, turn around and use those sats to boost somebody else or to Correct. somebody else and get used to working with the system because, you know, today it might be two or three sats, but down the road it's going to be a lot more. And, and I would say, like, if you have, you know, take 10 bucks yeah. and fund your wallet with it. Yeah. Right? And, 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 like, Absolutely. if you want, because I've been pushing people to Fountain because it's just a better app. I, I Again, it does have some glitches here and there. <laughs> it's brand freaking new. Quit crying. But to have an app where you can connect with other podcast fans and yes. share clips with them, as a fan, that's great. But as a producer, I'm in love with it because my fans are now marketing me by creating and sharing clips with each other. I, I know it's not lightning per se, but yeah. since you're mentioning Fountain, let me just talk about this real quick. Yeah. As an overall podcasting app, 
I think it's good. I came yeah. from Overcast. Overcast still has a couple features that I like better. Sure. In the scheme of things, it's good. I've moved over entirely because net-net, it's better. Yep. Clips. Screw everything else. It could be miserable on everything else. And for clips alone, I would stay with it. Yeah. I'm yeah. able to listen to podcasts, and the problem I've had in the past has been I'm listening to somebody's podcast, yours or somebody else's, and I go, wow, that's brilliant. Here, let me pull over the car, pull the car over, stop the car, write down my note. I've literally said, I mean, I've got a whole bunch now in my text messages where from Overcast I've sent a flag to myself at that particular moment in the podcast. So later on I get back home, I can sit down on my desk. I can re-listen the podcast at that moment, try to remember what was I thinking about yeah. when I heard that. Why did I want to save it and then do whatever I want with it? In Fountain, when I do clips, it brings up a transcript to make yeah. it easy for me to select the exact right start and stop. It allows me to name the bloody clip. I can take yeah. that clip and I can send it as a link to it in Fountain. I can take the clip and actually take the audio itself and keep it for me. I can post you can it You save it on your own device, yeah. So, Forget all the rest of it. For clips alone, I'm sold. Well, and I'll, I'll say then there's a monetization in that because people like the clips, and every likes ten sats, right? Yeah, I, haven't, so, I haven't gotten that far yet. I literally, I literally started clipping yesterday. Okay, right. so here's totally what ends up happening. But yeah. here's what happens with me: somebody will make a clip, and it'll be like one that I was going to make for myself. So I was like, that, that guess that a great thing, or I was on fire right there, and it's a two or three minute clip, and they. But when they not only made that clip, they hashtag it right and they give it a good title. And all right. of a sudden, I see that sucker show up in popular clips. I get in yes. there, I'm like, 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 and freaking fountains like red light, like error. You did too many too fast. And I wait for right. it to come out. Like, and I'll give them a hundred sats. Now I just oh, if you like if you like the clip, you could just like it multiple times with multiple yeah. connections there. Got right. It. So like I'm like that that listener just performed a marketing function for me. And I am yeah. not going to be the last podcaster to figure that shit out. No, 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 not at all. Right? So I gave him 100 sets. What is that, three cents? <sighs> Nothing. Right? But, but that person just goes, Jack, because they know who gave him the sats. Jack Spirico just gave me 100, not three right, sets. Because I get to see who did the like. Yes. Yeah. And you'll see the person in your transactions over and over, because each one's a transaction. Right. And you'll see that over and over again. So I wrote an article on all this yesterday, and what I said, one of the features I would love to see as a producer, a, a, a content producer, yeah. I would love to be able to approve a user and say this user can get paid 100 sats per clip and can do five a week. For as long as I got the budget, they can automatically do that. Because I, I want as many be, clips made. That would be brilliant. Even if you couldn't, in some respects, even if you couldn't approve it, like on a per user basis, you yeah. just saw a budget. Yeah. Like like a Google ad, I'm gonna have a budget of a hundred dollars. Sure. And then just however many impressions I get. So anyone wants to see clips, I'll just automatically you make a clip, you take a chunk out of it until I run out of budget and do that. I like your idea better. Yeah. There are people I wouldn't trust to make clips. Exactly. I have people that hate me and they would make bad clips on purpose. Right. They would because you can edit out in the text blocks. They would yes. like link together a bunch of crap. But like once I have a known user. I'd be like, yes. yeah, I'll give this guy, I'll give this guy Absolutely. a $5 budget a month. And if he's, if he earns $1 a month, he doesn't earn the rest, that's fine. If he, if he maxes it out the first week, I don't care. I've got yes. somebody, you know, or a way that I could, I, I would like some control over it because that's what I want. I want good title. Yes. I want good hashtags. Yeah. 
And I almost don't like if, if I don't like the, the part you clipped, that's yes. my problem. All my content should be good or I suck. Right. So. Yeah. They, they've got some good potential on that as well. The other thing, of course, is more crosstalk where I can send messages to other people. Cause right now I can follow folks, but I could easily see not that far down the, down the road where my chatting is basically in app with yeah. these followers. I basically have a group and we like, like there's a whole bunch of telegram channels that I'm in that are just like too many memes. But if I'm on a podcast app and folks are sending podcast clips and we're all about gold, we're all about Bitcoin, we're all about survival, whatever. And people are posting clips in there and then communicating and just chatting right in that same channel. I can see where that would have a lot of value. And so you, if you already have a small number of sats to post. Yep. Sure. Charge me five sats. I don't care. That's they fine. already have it, but it's, it's hard to find and you got to yeah. know where to look for it. Like, so you could see like everybody you follow every right. time they do something, you can see what they did. Or, and if they happen to do something like a boost, yep. you can see what they said in it and you can reply to it. And I don't know if the sats go to fountain right. or if the sats go to the person you're replying to or a piece of them. I don't know how it works yet, but it has, it has to be a boost. Yeah. It has to be on an episode. Yeah. So like people can just boost the show or they can, it has to be on an episode. You have to go to like the sub page of the episode and then it'll stay where you can view the the notes on the other side. It'll show boosts and anybody, not just me can see all the boosts this episode got. Okay. Who it was, where it came from. Right. Like it came from so and so on breeze or so and so on fountain, how much it was and any message that they left. Right. There's nice. a little thing on there that says reply, and it defaults to 10 sats. And so if that was just wherever you saw activity, you could reply for 10 sats. There you go. So that's like it's a feature that they may not, since it is glitchy here and there, they're like, we built it. I don't want to turn it around on globally yet. I've been trying to get them on, because we're turning it into it. We need to get back to you. Yeah, so we need to get back to this, but you should get them on too. But I've been trying, and they're like, we're too busy and whatever. And I'm like, dude, the, the coverage, I get you. And they yes. might be thinking, yeah, maybe we don't want that many more just yet, right? Like, <laughs> Maybe too much traffic too quick. But yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, this is to me, this is the altcoin murder session that we've been predicting. Like, Yeah. So well, I don't know how you feel, but my next question for you is running a lightning node, Playing with lightning, understanding lightning, and coming up with like I can't code this shit, but here's what you could do with it. How has that changed your opinion of Bitcoin and altcoins? Yeah, in and by the way, somebody clipped this shit because this is going to be gold. <laughs> in 2020, 2021, I was all over the map with a whole bunch of different specialty coins, and I not like I was a believer, like this coin's going to be the whatever. But I saw that there was an opportunity for someone who had a coin focused on this particular market and a project with this particular stuff with that backed by that token could actually be really successful in this niche. And I never saw that as really replacing Bitcoin on the overall, but I thought there'd be a lot of room for a lot of these little niche players to be like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and whatever else. And getting interested in those projects, and then I bought a bunch of those coins, and then once I had those coins, I got a lot into the liquidity pools and DeFi and, and made some money and lost some money and, and did that whole game. But by the end of 2021 and starting in 2022, I started thinking, 
you know, I really just don't see that as much. When I started with Lightning, I'm now at a point where I think there's probably room for a couple others with very specialized use cases. Privacy coins are one. I think there's some room for some corporate coins. Um, I don't know how much you've looked at Hedera HBARs. I haven't. It's, it's, it's one that's got an interesting case because it actually uses a different underlying technology. It's not a blockchain. It's a hash graph. But it's backed by a bunch of big-name companies like IBM and Boeing and Google who are corporate involved. Okay. And so I think that that may have some possibility of success in the corporate world where they're Maybe trying to solve particular use cases. Full-on managed interdepartmental billing, intercompany billing, like where yeah. I can get- I can get Terry the purchasing agent. I don't see too much as intra-company, but intra-company. If you're a big car manufacturer and you've got a whole bunch of parts suppliers and you've got a whole bunch of dealers on the back end and you're kind of trying to manage everything, maybe, I'm not convinced, but maybe it makes some sense to have a public blockchain that everybody knows is true, that's independently verifiable. I don't have to trust the car company. Everybody participates in that. Maybe. So maybe that's almost like an intra-company stable coin. Intercompany. Yeah, that's what I meant. Intercompany yeah. stable coin stable because coin. I don't want to. I don't want to use Bitcoin for that because if I do, there's a lot of money moving every day and volatility is an issue. And I so I think like I think a lot of stable coins are really sketchy, but the, the concept <laughs> yeah. of a stable coin, I, it makes sense to me. Because I put money in buckets, and if I'm going to spend the money in the next two weeks, I'm not putting it in Bitcoin. Right. So the, the comment that you made, the, the question that you asked basically is like, what do I think on the altcoin side of things? Yeah. So at this point, for me, I'm, I don't know, I'd say I'm 100% Bitcoin, but I will tell you I'm 99%. I, there's, yeah. there's very little that I see now that has any practical use case that between Bitcoin with Lightning that it doesn't make more sense to do with Bitcoin Lightning than trying to spin up your own chain, your own thing. And, and I see I little see things. I see little things that can be done with. I've been talking to Paul Wheaton about his forums. Yeah. He created some kind of like you know reward system over there. They call it Pi, and they're spending points around and shit. But there's no money. It's not a blockchain. It's I don't even. I, I don't know if you get. Maybe you get certain perks or certain things you can do on the forum. But there's yeah. no there's no value of Pi anywhere other than permies.com. So it's kind of like a permaculture let system and, okay, that's great, but it has no external liquidity. So Mm -hmm. every form of internal local currency ever created fails in the long run, like Ithaca hours or whatever, because it lacks external liquidity. So You you can incentivize keeping the liquidity in the community, and people will use it in the community even if they don't want to take it out, as long as they know they could. So I'm like, you could take a forum like his and say, to, to be part of the reward system, you don't have to pay anything. You have to deposit five bucks. Right. Right, which is, I don't know, how many, 50,000 Satoshis, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Right, so then you'd have enough success, right? And then you can throw around, every time you give somebody a piece of pie, you're actually giving them five sats or ten sats. Right. And then you run a note under that, and you, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, it wouldn't take a lot to do that because you don't need a whole lot of outbound liquidity balancing. It is a more holistic thing. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that, like, I look at Lightning and go, I can be a mega corporation, 
with a bunch of VC money, and I can yeah. build the next great thing with lightning integration. Like the fact that these big companies, like these big social media companies are fucking around with their own shit coins. I don't even get it. Like Twitter could integrate lightning for everybody tomorrow if they got off their ass and did it, right? They won't. Facebook's still talking about their whatever bullshit coin, Libra or whatever. Like, yeah. So when you have an oligarch calling something that means liberty, liberty, it means tyranny. Like it's just like a bill out of Congress. Like if it's it's the flower for orphans bill, it's literally yes. murder the orphans bill. That's what it really is. So yeah. like I don't trust it at all. And I would trust it more if he called it the evil overlord coin than right. calling it Libra, right? So all of these all right, so, so pause or pause right there for just a moment. Yeah. On the topic of evil overlord coin, yeah. the abbreviation for evil overlord coin is CBDC. Yeah. Central yeah. Bank Digital Currencies. Right. Central Bank Digital Currencies are evil overlord, co- evil overlord coins. They basically run on a blockchain, but the ownership of it, the control of the code, the control of the nodes, the control of everything is all run by the Fed. Yeah. It's all run by the central organization. And all the transactions on that chain are visible on that. And the permission to be able to spend on any of those transactions is permissioned by them. So if you run a CBDC and it's good only for um, supplemental nutrition, yeah, and you try to spend that at anything other than the grocery store, it fails. And at the grocery store, the app in the grocery store that allows them to take it will differentiate between tobacco, alcohol, and milk. Correct. And you'll only be able to spend it on that. And somebody will have the ability to say, oh, Mr. Spirico, why did you buy 15 gallons of milk for six days in a row? Yeah. Yeah, because that's all I could buy. Right. <laughs> so so when I, when, I, when I talk about that, and this is why I'm like, you got to get into this. You got to understand this. You got to be part of this so we can, cause we're going to build parallel economies. Like that's going to be yes. a natural byproduct. But if you're not in the game, it's yeah. going to be much harder for you as this occurs. So, but the real easy way, cause you tell somebody like, you, you know, they'll have this thing and you'll go in and you'll want to buy this other thing. And maybe they don't even say you can only buy it for supplemental nutrition. Maybe they just say, well, you can't buy guns with it. Right. Right. Okay. Fine. Well, how would you do that? So in Texas, we still have a few legacy blue laws. Right. A car dealership can't open on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's in, it's stupid, but that's enforced, I guess, by the cops. Right. Whatever. Like it's probably enforced by employees that if you made them work would rat you out. Right. Cause yeah. I don't think anybody would really care, but they also have on Sundays, you can't buy beer and wine before noon. Right. All right. So you go, like, because I've had this exact experience, pretty close to noon, buying groceries on a Sunday, grab a 12-pack of beer, throw it in the cart, get up to the cash register, beep, rejected. It's in the It's 11.50. You didn't wait. Yep. So they're like, and it's not, you can't yell at the clerk. They have no control over this, right? I've literally had it been, I've literally had it been like, it is 11.59. Yeah. And I'm just like, hand it to me. And they're like, well, you don't have to put it back. I'm like, I'm not putting it back. I just put it to the back of the, the, the thing. Back and when the belt, by the time it gets back around, it'll ring up. Now, imagine that experience with anybody the people in power decide they don't want to be sold or buyable. Right? And you're starting to get, like, mark of the beast level shit. Right? And I'm not a religious person, but I recognize patterns. And that would be... Like, evil's evil, even if it's not the evil you were talking about. You can describe the pattern of evil. And there would be no more evil a pattern 
than to determine what a person could buy or sell. So I think that's part of why it was in that, in, in Revelations, right? And then check this shit out. This is crazy. Only the people, like you're going to have to go look this video up to get what I'm about to do. And no man could buy or sell unless he received the mark of the beast in his right hand or on his forehead. Don't tell anybody what I just did because they have to look up the video right there. But that's some scary shit, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because that, that makes perfect sense. If you were having a vision, right, and you saw this everywhere you went, yeah. how else would you describe it? And there's people on the audio right now going, damn it, I don't watch videos. Watch yeah, this no, one. No, no, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> so the reason why I got into the side hustle that I did Helping people with crypto specifically was because I do believe that now is the time for people to learn and understand how the stuff works. And there's a whole bunch of people who are very smart, but don't have the time, don't have the whatever, or they go on YouTube and they get more confused, not less. And so for me, I look at it as a, it's my opportunity to help people get started, understand how it works, go as far down the rabbit holes they want to go, but Get people on board, get them started. A lot of the folks that I work with are medium to high net worth individuals who like the idea of Bitcoin. But yeah, I don't know where to get started. They're nervous about this, nervous about that. Small businesses that are trying to figure out, yeah, I guess I could take Bitcoin, but I really don't know what to do about it. How do I even get started with that, right? So that's kind of where I got started on the whole side hustle thing was, hey, let me help people get started with this now. Because the more that you know about it now, as it gets integrated, as it becomes more whatever, you'll have that knowledge going in and know what to do about it for later on. So that's that's kind of like where I had started teaching classes, consulting, giving, giving lectures and talks to different organizations, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's real quick, because I want to talk yeah. about your company, but I want to ask you this, because, again, I think Lightning is the most exciting tech on the planet today. And it is amazing. We, we might develop something else for Bitcoin that's even more exciting. I've been really in, intrigued by the concept of mini mints with blind signatures and stuff like that and yeah. local circular economies. But with Lightning specific and Bitcoin in general, what do you think is next? Um, I think the thing that we're going to see next is really going to be increase in adoption and it's going to get much wider. A lot of the people who are like, oh, I'm in it for number go up kind of in and yeah. out. But anybody who actually uses Bitcoin, well, I take it in my business. They don't get a lot, but they start taking it. Oh, I'm starting to hold a bit because I think maybe eventually, you know, my kid told me it's going to go great, whatever. They're getting in and they're not getting out. And the more and more that people get touched by it on the edges, they're going to get like sucked into the whirlpool. So I think the first thing is adoption is going to increase. Small businesses, I think you're going to see a lot of adoption there. For my side hustle, I don't take credit cards. It's a pain, it's a pain in the neck. It's not worth it to me to deal with a payment processor to do that. You know, just listen. Pay me in cash, or for the most part, really what I do is I say, I'll tell you what, let's work it out. I'll teach you how to use Bitcoin, and then you pay me in Bitcoin. Yeah, you pay me at the end of the job, and part of what we'll do is we'll buy enough Bitcoin. We'll buy enough Bitcoin for you to pay yourself. Yeah. To start your hodling, and we'll make sure there's enough in there to cover my invoice. We'll move it to your node, and you'll pay me your node to my node because that should be the final. Like when it's basic onboarding, that should be the final thing anyway. Like once you can do that, like you can do anything. Like I think it's incredibly empowering for a person to be able to realize. So I can go to Strike or Cash App or Coinbase, whatever. I can use a credit card. I can buy stuff. 
I can get Exodus, I can get Coinami, any good, solid hardware wallet or software wallet. I can send it to myself, learn my seed phrase, have my own keys, and then I can send and receive Bitcoin. And, you know, almost every wallet now is having an option to convert to Lightning. Yes. And And if they don't, they will soon. They will, or they're not going to go away. Exactly. So, like, that's the time. But then if you can move it to the level of having a node, a hardware wallet, a software wallet, and in my software wallet, I have, like, a few hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, and I have, like, a hundred dollars worth of Lightning, right? Yeah. And and then I have my long-term hodling, and I understand that I just went through all this with you and that you charged me 500 bucks for it, and I sent you $500 peer-to-peer, node-to-node, with everybody else, basically a big F you, and they're out of the picture. Right. And that, that can, like, no one can ever stop you from doing that. Then you're like, oh, right. Neo fully yeah. has become, like, the one, right, at that yes. point. Like, well, we can have a million yeah. ones, right? Like, it's the, it is powerful. It, it is very powerful. The next thing that you're going to see is more and more layer three apps. Agreed. So layer one is Bitcoin. Layer two, Lightning. Layer three are the apps that are built on top of Lightning. Fountain, I mean, would you say Fountain, Fountain, Breeze, those are layer three apps, really. Fountain is a layer three app. It's a, it's a perfect example. It's a perfect example. Oh, so here's example. a question. Yeah. What is, what is this then? So we have, for instance, Breeze has people that you would call layer three apps, like Geyser. Right. We're going to have them on the show soon, right? So, but you take Breeze... And it becomes like a mothership, and you move the Geyser app inside Breeze. Right. Is that layer 3.5? I don't know. Maybe. You know, it, it's all marketing, right? When the telcos yeah. came out with 5G, yeah. there like seven different technologies on ten different frequencies. They all called it 5G. Yeah. It's like, yeah. buy my new shit. I don't care. Buy my new shit. They'll call it 5G. But, yeah. Yeah. So for me, it doesn't matter what they call it. It's just if you think about it in layers, they're building on top of what's before – as yeah. Lightning gets more and more solid, more and more um, uh, accepted, more and more uh, scaled, you'll see more and more built on top of it. One of the things I think you're going to see a lot more coming up soon is the gaming community and the metaverse. Yeah. Right now, those are very much buzzwords. Yeah. But I don't think that we're that far off from really doing it. I mean, I experimented with Second Life, what is that now, 20 years ago? Yeah. Okay, and it was kind of cool, but it's a network effect issue. If I do it, oh, okay, whatever. But if my circle of friends are all there, then that becomes a new place to hang out. And Facebook, Zuckerberg, is very much, I mean, what did he change the company name to, right? Meta? To Meta, yeah. And he bought, what's the goggles he bought? Um, Some sort of VR goggles. I don't know. He bought the VR goggle company, right? Yeah. So why is he doing that? Because the metaverse is going to be the next big thing. I don't think there's any real doubt about that's the direction it's going. You know, today you hang out in, well, in the olden days, we hung out in bulletin board system chat rooms. And then it was AOL. And then, you know, Facebook now and, you know, whatever else. It's, It's going to be called the metaverse, whatever it is. The question is going to be who owns the servers and who controls the entry, and who sets the permissions. Yeah. This is why I really like Start9. Because we can run our own basically network. Their philosophy is, let's let the little guy, 
who doesn't have to be a Linux admin guru, but yeah. some technical knowledge, be able to run their own server, and eventually be able to be in a position that they can create their own chunk of the metaverse. And if that grows fast enough, deep enough, quick enough, whatever, we have the possibility that you may have a federated metaverse with interoperable protocols. Think email, right? Do you care that you run on Exchange and somebody else runs on this or what their email server is? No. No. It's a common protocol that runs underneath, and everything just kind of works on top of it, and it all works interchange. Yeah, when I had when I had Adam Curry on this year, he said, yeah. you know, think protocol above platform. Yes. It's not the yes. platform, it's the protocol, right? Like If, if the protocol can, is good and allows for the independence yeah. and the peer-to-peer and allows for permissionless, then you can build your CBDC. You can build whatever Facebook platform you want, and I can have my own little matrix server, and I can interface to you when I want, but I own my chunk of the world, and I participate how I choose to, and I have control of my destiny. So this can, seem, this can seem really dark, but I can also see, like, if you have control, it maybe it isn't. So, like, one reason I started doing live streams is because I have more interaction yes. with my users, right? And we're sitting here, and usually the chat's like, da 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 That's because everybody's comfortable with YouTube, and I'm in YouTube jail right now. Right. So the chat is now spread. There's there's a few people in Odyssey. There's a few people over on Twitch. There's a few, like, yeah. they're not all together anymore. But if we had our own world... It wasn't part of their world. It was our world yes. that we control. And it was the, the, the Bitcoin breakout TSP universe. Yeah. And when I'm podcasting, we basically are, it's like conversation in a great big room. But if you want to listen to me and my guest, we're over here, yeah. right? And chat's over there. You can either hear us like background, like, like a trade show, like people are right. either sitting in the audience or they're interacting and milling around with each other. Like then we have even higher interaction because I do this show, one, because I make a living doing it, and I, I, I want to make a living teaching and, 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 and speaking because I'm good at it. But I, I get the biggest payday out of what happens in my audience. And right. I was thinking about this this morning, and it was like this is just such a magic moment. Like I'll have a guest on who's part of our community who other people in the community know. Yeah. And I've had that experience in an opposite direction. So, like, if I get a huge interview or a huge guest – Right. I, like when I went on Ron Paul's show recently, like I could tell, I could actually literally feel people in my community rooting for me on that show. Yes. And like, so for me to go beyond with Ron, I'm being on with one of my heroes. I'm being on like, I consider that it, it won't make as big a media hit, but that to me is every bit as big as being on Rogan. Right. Sure. And then you, you, you don't see yourself this way, but you're somebody else's Joe Rogan. And right. then I'll have somebody on, on out of our community. And, and like, I know they are having that experience. Yes. And that's fucking magical. Right. To know that you caused that to happen. So that's why yeah. I, it's the person that builds a business. It's the person that starts their own show. There's got to be 50 shows that are up and successful today that are people from this audience that are like, if that asshole can do that, so can I. That's magic. And like, if you can turbocharge that with this next level, then it, and then if you could start having people like living in a tipping economy or a value for value economy. Yes. Like, cause this is crazy book. It's all metaphysical from the early nineties by James Redfield called the Celestine prophecy. I think it's like, there's like, there's like nine insights in it. I think it's like the fourth or the fifth insight that said people would begin to tip each other in money for information. Yes. Okay. Now it's, this is, this is proto internet years. 
And yeah. he wasn't even talk. The guy has no. Te- I don't know where he is now. I don't know if he's still alive, right? But at the time, I can tell you, this guy had no. There was not a bit of technology in this book. He right. meant that I would be walking down the street, and you and I would be, and I would be like, "Where the hell is this place? I've been looking for this place, and nobody knows." You're like, "It's right down there and around the corner." And I'd go, "Here's a dollar." Yeah. Okay. That it's like seeing the future without recognizing the means. Yes. Okay, it was like he saw the potential, like what it should look like, but that will never happen. And it will never happen because if I tried to give you that dollar, what are you going to say? No, no, please, I'm here to help. I'm happy to help you. I mean, I'll hand it to you and you'll go, well, I guess somebody else is getting, you'll drop it on the ground. I've had, you like, I'm not taking money for this. But if you gave me advice in an app like Waze, but instead of Waze controlling the world and putting ads in front of you because you're tracking you everywhere you go, if I just was like cruising, like I was on Waze recently when I'm on a road trip, yeah. Police officer ahead. Right? Yeah. Right? And if I'm like, well, shit. And I slow down and I did. And I, like, dude had a radar gun. Like it was, a, and I was cruising, man. Right? right? And I'm like, shit, that was great. That was worth having ways. But if it was like, you know, the person that registered this tip was Jesse, how many people right then would have went, oh, there's a hundred sats, dude. Yeah. Like a hundred sats is not much, but it might be a lot more someday. But if it's a thousand people that gave you a hundred sats and in a busy highway, yeah. it might be. Sure. That's fucking decentralization. That's fighting the state because the state just got denied that ticket that he was going to write me. But the, the sum total of the sats that went to you are probably equal to the revenue to the state for the ticket. Now start, start like expand that. Like, so like this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like we're thinking like a podcast app and content and shit. Like, but there are apps right now you go, okay, you integrate Lightning. The company stops selling to your your data to Facebook and to their ilk and to the government and starts yes. empowering users to trade value. I don't and then they can say, Well, I don't I don't need your money, IBM. Right. Right? I don't need your money, data mining company. I have and, and then you don't need a giant corporation anymore. A fairly small concern can run an app like that. Right. Oh, that's going on a list. I'm going to do a show about things we need to build on Lightning. That, and, and I, I'm like, actually, I'm going to type this right now because I'm scared I'm going to forget. Somebody will clip that shit for me. That, see? Right? Hey, there you go. Somebody you'll, just, you'll tip them for it, right? Yeah. Somebody's yes, going to clip that. Exactly. We, need a, we need a Lightning-enabled traffic app. Holy yes. crap. <clears throat> Yeah. See, and there's, there's rich assholes right now that are trying to figure out how to make more money that have the resources to put a team together, and they could build that app in a month mm-hmm. and a half, two months. It won't be perfect, but it will work. And, and and so stop doing insider trading. Stop doing all, like, high-frequency trading. Stop doing corporate rating and build something that gives fucking value to people in the real world. Let them exchange value, and you just charge a fee for it that they never yeah. feel. Because – when I so I buy promotions on Falcon because I think it works. So and it doesn't hurt. But like you know, when I say like I want to set up a promotion for a hundred bucks, that's a hundred dollars out of my pocket. And I right. think there, I hope this pays off. I hope this is profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to succeed, so it's also supporting them fine. But when I send somebody four hundred sats, and they took a four percent fee, I don't even, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care when I when I when they process my splits, so Tom gets his twenty percent, and they take right. a routing fee for that. I don't care. Right. I don't care at all. This 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 whole interview is worth just to have that last couple of minutes. Okay, but we need people involved. We need people running their own nodes, self-custodying, yes. 
And you, like, I get the question all the time. Can you give me step by step? And I'm like, no. Especially when they start talking about, like, a routing mode or some shit like that. Like, no. Uh-uh. But you actually handhold people all the way through. Tell us about your website and your business and how you can help people. And I would say you can help people that don't think they need you. Because they're like, I already self-custody. But by self-custody, they mean they hold an exodus. Right. Like, you could take them to the next level. Tell them how, how they would get to work with you. Yeah. So here's the types of things that I do. For somebody who's got nothing at all to get them started, get on Coinbase, get on Strike, I do the hand-holding to get that started. Okay. For somebody, I've, well, I've worked with a couple small companies that said, hey, I've got some extra cash in the company, that on the company books, I'd rather have it in Bitcoin than sitting cash unused, because I'm not getting paid any interest on it. I'm going to hold it for a number of years. Let's invest in Bitcoin. Do that sort of stuff. Yeah. So talk them, talk them through that. I do a lot of work with people now on protecting their crypto. So helping people understand what are the risks on the exchanges, why self-custody matters. I spend a lot of time with people who are self-custodying, understanding the risks of self-custody, and why sometimes leaving it on that exchange can be better for some people. If you keep it yourself, understanding how the keys work, what's the seed phrase? How do I protect that? How do I manage that? How do I protect it from both somebody stealing it, the key actually being damaged by flood or fire, and the possibility that I just screw it up and I lose it, or I get this great encryption thing to make sure that nobody can steal it. By the time I'm done, I've lost it, and I can't get it back. Trying to find that right balance of understanding where you go with that. For people who are interested in DeFi liquidity pools, I've got a special course that I talk specifically about that so you understand that. And, again, I'm not a financial advisor. <laughs> I'm not an, an attorney, a CPA. I don't, I don't do any of that side of things. I do education. That would be so like somebody saying, I will, I will teach you how E-Trade works, but I will not tell you what stock to buy. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and my goal is so that people become educated consumers, educated users, so they understand the risks, they know what they're doing, they can and be more intelligent about all of that. I work with a number of small businesses to tell them, how do I get started taking Bitcoin? I work with a number of uh, medium to high net worth individuals who are, okay, I want to invest this. How do I hold it? How do I do it safely? How do I make sure that if I die, my wife gets it? Because a lot of those questions right now are not obvious, particularly when you're doing self-custody. People who have gotten past that first stage, they got it off the exchange, they've got it in Exodus, maybe they bought a hardware wallet, but they're not quite sure how it all works. Getting to that next level of understanding it so they can actually be comfortable with where it is and what the plan is next makes makes a big difference for them. And then with Lightning, because I just think Lightning's cool. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time learning it, so I get a lot of questions on that too, explaining channels and what you need to do. And... Again, a lot of my advice is in the negative. I had a lot of people in 2020 go, hey, I heard about this great Shiba coin. Should I buy it? <laughs> and I, and my, 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 I always give the preface of, I don't give financial advice. You make your own decision, do your own research, figure out whatever you can do. But think about the risk involved. I, I actually had somebody come to me. Uh, it was about a week and a half, two weeks before Terra Luna, that whole UST meltdown where that yeah. stable coin went to zero in the period yeah. of about 72 hours. Yeah, it wasn't very stable. No. So it was about <laughs> two weeks before that, I had a guy come to me. He had 
you know, five high five figures. So not quite a hundred grand worth of money that was burning a hole in his pocket. He saw this opportunity to put it into one of these online things <clears throat> where he could earn seven percent to fourteen percent for locking up his money there. Now in his particular case, it wasn't Terra Luna, it wasn't UST, it was something else. But he said, I'm really thinking hard about this. I said, well, why do you think you're, they're paying you that percentage return, right? What's the risk? What could happen? What are the odds of that happening? And I said, I'm not going to give you financial advice, but you just need to think, if you do this and it gets wiped out through some, you know, low probability, but it happens, what are you going to tell your wife? And by the end of that conversation, he said, yeah, I'm not quite as confident in that as I was before. I may still do it, but I'm going to think about it a lot more and about the amount that I put in whatever else. And I spoke to him about a week after the UST meltdown, and he said, I really appreciate you talking to me about that because I didn't actually lose money in that thing, but that's the type of thing that could have happened to me, and it could have happened to me without even being aware that there was that risk. Yeah. So for a lot of the people that I work with, being able to tell them, be aware of the risk. No, don't, don't just jump in like that. Consider it Vegas money. If you wouldn't lose it at craps or, you know, on roulette or yeah, whatever because else. They, they make it sound it. like all you're going to do is put your Bitcoin in here and, and loan it out on a guaranteed collateralized loan and earn 8%. Who, who the hell that hodls long-term wouldn't want 8% guaranteed with no risk on your Bitcoin? And right. so people were begging me to talk about it, and I'm like, I'm still researching it. I'm still researching yeah. And every time I looked at it more than five seconds, I was like, all those freaking hairs just went up on the back of my neck. And unlike saying, hey, yeah, maybe the shit coin will be worth some money someday. Right. And that person throws 500 bucks at it. You're, people that go into that, they go into it with some, with some cabbage, right? And I'm like, I'm not, I won't put my money in it. So I won't even name one that I think might be okay. I will not recommend a thing that I will not put my money. I won't recommend that you buy a garden hose that I wouldn't buy. I am by, not the way, recommend by the way, thank you for your garden hose recommendation. <laughs> I was one of those guys who bought garden hoses every 12 teaching months and hated yeah. them forever. Yeah. The last one I bought was on your recommendation. It's now five years old. See, that's I'm what I'm saying, though. <laughs> and if we're gonna, see, that's the beauty of this economy we're discussing. If we're going to go there, that's who's going to make money. Is people yeah. are like, I, I bought what this guy said to buy five freaking years ago, yeah. and I still have it. I'm still glad that I have it. Yeah. So one other quick thing that I do, well, but mostly I do individual one-on-one type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, my local community college, I was talking with the folks there, and they're like, well, we don't have a Bitcoin course. Would you be willing to do something like that? Yeah. And I said, sure, I guess I could do that. So I'm actually teaching a course at the local community college in their, you know, adult education type division for that. So if you happen to be in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, oh, is that where you are? person course. And then we're also teaching a Zoom course later on. So if folks are interested, go to my website. You see all that information. I can tell you about that one too. I'm dealing with a spider of unknown species right now, real time. I, he's, he's harmless. Go ahead, buddy. All right. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I think that's awesome. Again, tell people your website. So it's yourpersonalcryptoassistant.com. Yourpersonalcryptoassistant.com. And I'm just jesse at yourpersonalcryptoassistant.com. I've got an email, questions at yourpersonalcryptoassistant.com. My business model is pretty easy. 
Send me any questions at questions at your personal com. I will answer them. If I can't do it justice in a quick email response because I've already got it or figured it out quick, I'll set up a session with you where I can actually teach you more, sell you one of the packages, anything else like that. I also have a, uh, a new product that just came out, which is a, uh, a Bitcoin gift certificate kit. So it's basically a template that allows you to send somebody Bitcoin. And the way that it works is it's a pretty little certificate template that has everything that you need. It gives you all the detailed instructions. So if you want to send somebody Bitcoin, how you get a wallet, fund that wallet, fund the certificate. Now you got to do it yourself because I don't want the keys. It's all you. Okay. So it's a template. You do all that. You can hand somebody that certificate. It's got the instructions on the backside for them, how they retrieve it, how they put it into their own wallet, out of that set of seed phrase into a new one. And the kicker on it is, in addition to having a pretty certificate and detailed instructions, it comes with tech support. So okay. when you try to do this, if you have a question, Christ, am I doing this right? You can contact me. I'll help you through funding it. The person you give it to, if they have a problem or a question, I can help them get it back out on the back end. So it's really an onboarding tool. Exactly. Exactly. It's a gift onboarding tool, which yes. gifts are great ways to onboard people. Yeah. Make it easy to get people in the, in the community. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that I had uh, Joel uh, from Fortress Canine. Oh, yeah. At my house, I would say all weekend, from Thursday through Sunday. And uh, because you we did a bar- getting you your puppy. Yeah, we had a barter deal, and we have a beautiful new dog named Bell now. And uh, he was here. He was he was saying you guys are going to be talking and setting up uh, a node and all. We are. And he we was are. pretty surprised. He, he was one it. of the people I talked to initially, who's yeah. kind of like I did. He was going to set up this node, throw some yeah. Bitcoin at it. And he was just going to build SaaS for him and just throw him out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work that way. It's it's yeah. not all go rand. <laughs> anyway, dude, this has been a great discussion. I, yeah. I seldom have two-hour guest interviews. This one was 100% worth it. I appreciate being here. Again, give the website one more time before we sign off. Absolutely. It's yourpersonalcryptoassistant.com. All right, guys, we'll definitely get by and check it out. And, Jesse, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that one. And uh, if you're on the Bitcoin breakout feed right now, uh, I have I have left my bumpers in, which I usually don't include on the Bitcoin breakout. But I wanted to today uh, because I thought what I had to say at the beginning was important. And those of you that are finding me through Bitcoin breakout, and I'm new to you, I want you to understand that there's a world of freedom that is in addition to Bitcoin. So I have been talking to my mainstream audience, and I've been, I've been doing this full-time now uh, for, see, I've been doing it 14 years as of June, but full-time would be 12 and a half years. This has been my full-time life's work. And I realized during this journey to basically Bitcoin maximalism that there was a whole segment of my audience that wasn't really jiving with the Bitcoin stuff. And that there was a whole group of people out there who were Bitcoiners that were discovering taking care of yourself, being prepared, things like homesteading, all types of things like that. And so I see this as very symbiotic. And one day maybe Bitcoin breakout will only be in its own feed. Right now I won't do that to a guest 
because I have over 200,000 downloads in 48 hours after an episode goes live on the TSP side. And it's not that I'm not willing to step out on my own. It's I don't think it's fair to my guest. I don't think it's fair to bring a guy like Jesse in who, when he asked to be on the show, we were still just, we weren't even doing Bitcoin Breakout yet and not give him the ability to talk to that entire audience. But I also think that, I've again, I've seen this common thing. People get into Bitcoin and they discover the top type of personal sovereignty that we were talking about today. They get a start nine server and they realize, it's, like we were saying, it's more than a Bitcoin node. It's more than a Lightning node. It's I can like store all my own files, control everything, have complete control, complete digital sovereignty. And they're like, well, what else can I do? Well, you can take back your health. You can be prepared. So that when there's shortages, it doesn't hurt so much. And I found... So, like, not everybody, but so many people in the Orange Pill community, they gravitate right toward we are where we are. And so I'm trying to build a bridge between those two communities. And I think episodes like today are exactly what I'm looking for. So if you're still listening after this much time, thank you. And if you're on the Bitcoin side, please consider coming on over and checking out the rest of the work that we do. We've been changing lives for 14 years, and we're not going to stop anytime soon. And one of the ways that I monetize my show is I, I run a website. It's not even a website. It's a segment on my website. And I have a little short URL for you to get there. And it's tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. You start your shopping there. No matter what you buy, you help the show and the work that we do. And today I have an item of the day. Uh, and again, like I said earlier, like you heard, you heard uh, Jesse say, Thank you for the garden hose recommendation. Like It's stuff like that. It's things that we use in our lives every day. Most of you guys like audio. This is an Anchor, and this is my favorite value brand in electronics, Anchor, A-N-K-E-R, Soundcore Boost Bluetooth speaker. So this thing is like their latest one, and it's on sale for like 10 bucks off. Limited time deal, I guess Prime Day's going or something like that. Uh, but it's an awesome speaker you can buy two of them and pair them that's what I have out in my shop it's like having a full stereo system out there that runs off my phone but like you can if your phone's getting low and your speaker's well charged you can recharge your phone off your speaker like it's got a lot of new enhanced features the sound quality is great and it's IPX7 waterproof so if it falls literally falls in the pool as long as you don't leave it in there it will be okay the earlier version of this which wasn't as good I had two of those I only have one now because my wife literally drove her Subaru out back over one of them. It still worked for like a couple weeks and then it started cutting out. So that's how tough these things are. It has an awesome app now. It is a great speaker system. You should check it out. And they're like 50 bucks. But anytime you're going to shop online, if you start at tspaz.com, you help us out no matter what you buy. So just remember that. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up. This has been another episode of The Bitcoin Breakout. To subscribe and learn more, please visit thebitcoinbreakout.com.